Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Once again, Basement Dwellers, it's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd down here for another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. We got the whole crew. The 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 what I would just say is the the big four at this point for the bandwagon. The big four. The four that matter. Yes, here we are recording on this fine zombie Jesus day. That's right, Easter Sunday. Jesus is risen. Zombie Jesus, whatever. And for those of you who um, are of the Jewish faith, happy Passover from earlier this week. Uh, any other faiths and religions, I don't know. I don't care. I don't really celebrate any of them because I believe in nothing, Lebowski. Anyway, we've, like I mentioned, we got the whole crew uh, that's been with you the last few weeks. Fellas, how you doing this Sunday? I'm done introducing you by name. You can speak into the mic and introduce yourselves. I'll don't do it, it again. There I'll, you I'll, go. Jump it in. Is, this is a big day. I've been Dave. drinking. Dave Ungar, you know, I'll keep it going for you, Patrick, just because, you know, I got, I got to do it. Uh, Why ruin a good thing? Right. Exactly. Doing pretty well here. Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, whatever, you know, still living in isolation. Maybe light at the end of the tunnel, possibly, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who cares? Let's just keep rolling along. This will be a fun episode. 
no one wants to hear what I fucking think or what I'm doing today. So let's go. I had to venture out yesterday. It was uh, it was interesting. What? We get I had the mask on. I was out and about, just having to refill our our water jugs so we had fresh water. And of course, the piggly wiggly over by me uh, was out of order, so couldn't even do it. So it was just a waste of a trip Wait, almost. Wisconsin has piggly wigglies. Yes, sir. Really? All over the place. That now see that piggly is that is a fact. Wiggly. I had no idea. Shop the pig. No, no idea. And that voice you hear is uh, one PC Tunny. See, now he didn't get to introduce himself since he chimed in. How, how How's your Easter going? Did you it's even celebrate good. Easter? I, I don't even know. Yes. Yes, indeed. I'm, I am I am a, I'm a Jesus celebrator. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Jesus celebrator. Don't apologize to me, man. I, you know, I am in the minority here. That's for sure. I mean, for what it's worth, Dave, your head does resemble a big Easter egg. Oh, wow. Shit. Yeah, get, I know. It's getting there. Could have painted there. that bad boy up. Don't it, you know. Anyway, as pa- pagan uh pagan symbolism notwithstanding, rites of spring and all of that. We are here to talk video games, fellas. Today we are going to operate week 1 of the video game project. I'm hoping for a better title by the end of this. I was trying to come up with a better way to be like week one like and i was like the console game cop project uh i I don't know i was having trouble so as we go through this today as i struggle speaking if you come up with a better title i'm open to suggestions because uh it it was a little bit of a challenge we are of course going to also cover lock and key a couple of things that have gone on uh, on television this week that uh really spoke to me i sent you all a clip i was very excited about it uh, and I know, uh, we wanted to keep talking about the good. I got a couple of, of good links there before we start talking video game consoles and our top 50, we're going to do our bottom, um, bottom 10 today. So that's the 50 to 41, uh, video games on our list and noble listener, just to pull back the curtain, we're, we're not entirely certain, or at least I'm not entirely certain how we will kind of cover this. There's a, there's a couple of different schools of thought that have gone on. Uh, Tunny and Ungar nearly came to blows. It was gross uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, from, from across just, the coast. Just another day podcasting. Just another day at Big podcasting. Dave over there. I don't know. Big Dave and I, I think that someday we're going to have to revisit our disagreement over the rise of Skywalker because every time I watch that movie, it gets worse. Every time. Oh, God, please. Movie is trash. It is the <laughs> third that, worst of the Skywalker yeah, you, saga. Yeah, you keep watching. For that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for exactly. that one, I'd have to this join is the, forces this is with the thing. Dave. This is the thing. It's not about me. It's about the little O'Doubt. And I, the, there's no accounting for taste yet at his age because he's eight. And all he sees are stormtroopers and blasters and all this. Like, he, it, for an eight-year-old, I get why that movie is great. Because he can be like... Palpatine was Ray's grandfather, and he's just okay with it. Like he just whatever. accepts it. Now, whatever, dude. If, if this show is not spoiler free, it has never been spoiler free. We made that very clear when we started covering the Mandalorian. Yeah, that so, movie's four months old. The moratorium on spoilers is long gone. Now, speak, of the, speak of the devil, the little O'Dowd jumping in. Hey. Wave to the camera. There everybody. he is. There he there's, is. There's the smartest guy in the Ogre. Oh, he, he right doesn't. There. He is not. He is. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know. It was a good day today, though. We uh we were watching uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was that was how we were spending our time uh, right before this. We how did, did you like play, that. 
Well, he was enjoying it. Uh, he he uh, was a little startled when Marion fell into the skeletons uh, in the big in the big arc room. Oh, it was the it was the skeleton, not not the like all of them. It was the first one that like lands in her face. Gotcha. He, he was not prepared for that. Yeah, get it right, Dad. I know I'm a terrible father, but he he was okay with the face <laughs> melting, huh? What I we haven't we haven't we haven't gotten there yet. We actually oh. have we haven't gotten there. We had to pause. We had about 15 minutes left of of movie, and had I know we weren't going to start recording until 2:30, I would have finished it anyway. But uh, I wanted to. I was trying to be on time. Just trying not to be Rick, and um and so I wanted to make sure that I was here, ready to go, ready to podcast, right at two because we always record at two on Sunday. And thought about being late, but when I wait, saw wait, how wait, much wait. time was really left, what time I didn't do want to record. What time do we record? Um, I'm not week. really sure. I, I forgot. <laughs> there, I should two- I should go into the bandwagon nerds um, thread, the DM thread, and, yeah, ask, and ask the group. Because yeah. somebody from the group might know. There are two recurrent themes on this show. One are pro wrestling references. The other is throwing Rick under the bus. That seems to be the two ongoing themes lately. Well, and here's the thing is, I look forward to Rick's return. Allegedly, it's next week. And I look forward to Rick's attempt at a rebuttal because I challenge Rick to point out anything that I've said that's not true. <laughs> like that, I mean, that's, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's, that's really what it comes out to is, am I wrong? Where am I wrong? I will take your silence as acquiescence. I said, I got, I got nothing. You know, there your, your rise of Skywalker opinions, notwithstanding your opinions, your on rise Rick? of Skywalker opinions are trash, but that's okay. We should talk about lock and key though. We're already a little behind today. Episode six, Dave, I think you nailed it on the head, uh, pretty well in the chat. You described it as, uh, guys do stupid things. And last week was, was my week to be mad at Kinsey. This week was my week to be mad at Tyler. What? Ah, uh, just come on. Just come on, like just every bad decision. And, and I, this is the first time I've kind of had a quibble with the plotting. And I'm hoping the rest of the group can maybe chime in and tell me, did I miss something? She, you know, the girlfriend touches his key. He freaks out and becomes a complete jerk face. And I don't, I don't entirely get it. So group to you, why has he become such a jerk face? I look, I, I was furious with Kinsey this episode. I mean, Tyler's a douche, but you got two guys in this episode, two central characters, both thinking with their other head. And as we've seen time and time again, when men do that, bad shit typically happens. And that was the case here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kinsey just endangering all of her friends because she right. wants to find this light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, which turns out to be the biggest door that we've seen so far, which is like, oh, well, that's cool but not at the expense of everybody drowning. And then Tyler just, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and we finally learned that uh, Echo's name is actually Dodge, which I think we've yep. known for a while. And, and, you know, this older woman shows up at this teen rate day rager and starts coming on to him. And he's like, yep, I'm going to go with it. Uh, it, it. It's, it's ridiculous. But at the same time, you get the feeling like when Jackie touched his, uh, the key, like maybe he thought, Jesus, I've got to protect her from all this insanity because I really care about her. So I'll do the typically stupid male thing and act like I don't give a shit and hook up with somebody else. So I, who knows? It was, it was I, a very, <laughs> yeah, very frustrating. 
I'm also intrigued to know what Bodie's latest find actually did is he opened that cupboard and we don't know what it did. He opened that cupboard. He went inside hoping it was like a Chronicles of Narnia sort of moment. And then nothing happens. That's great. It looks just like my world. And then his mom walks in. <laughs> right. I thought it was going to be uh so spoilers. I'm caught up. Hey, binge, binge watch this right. right on. So, I thought Bring it was going for be, yourself. Yeah. 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 I thought it was going to be like a wardrobe thing. It seemed like it was like, like that was like he was gonna walk in and uh, get some nice garb or something and like change how he looked or whatever. That's kind of what I thought it was gonna end up being, but yeah, it's just we don't know. You <laughs> know, came out maybe and it was nothing. He, maybe, he, maybe he activated the door in the sea caves. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, who knows? I mean, there's well, there's clearly clearly something big behind that glowing door. Well, sure. And, and I'm sure we'll, with, I'm sure we'll be back in. there with Sam because right. he had that that's the that Omega symbol or whatever and he had that on his arm so there's obviously right. some that's the whole kind of seems like the whole tie-in to how that's going to fit I don't know how but. how how about the fucking penitentiary getting burnt to the ground with the fire key which you got to see that key is like holy shit that's yeah. and then at the and then the way it ends with uh with Sam just walking into onto the grounds and you're like this is not going to end well that's for damn sure I've decided I cannot uh, I, I cannot engage in this conversation because you guys are watching this for the first time, episode six, correct? None of you have seen yeah. episode seven? Nope. No. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went back and uh, probably two hours before we started recording, I watched episode six. Great episode right. to start to start back up again from, from I hadn't seen it for maybe months, six, eight weeks, whatever. But yeah, I mean... I keep saying things are about to get good, but things are about to get good. And the only thing I'll say is you guys are not even close. You're focusing in on the wrong things. <laughs> Great. And that's that's fine. I'm okay if I'm caught by surprise uh, yeah, or, nice. or caught off. Like that's it's, I don't have a problem. I think that it's just, it's really interesting. Um, again, I still want to know, like there's so many other threads that were brought up in this this episode that you look forward to to kind of figuring out you're, you're you've got your uncle who there his memories are buried in a yard and Kenzie confronts him with some of these memories and he has no idea what they are he pretends like he does but he's fixated on one and there's got to be some serious significance there as to as to where that all comes about I don't and I don't want to mean that like you guys are you guys should have you should know but there's two things that you just won't see coming, right? And that's okay. And that, and that's perfectly great, you know. And, and that's just, I think about when I was watching it, and the, and you know, we get to the to those you know turning points, and you just it, it's it's why I wanted, it's why I pushed so hard for us to watch this one because <laughs> uh, there's there's so many things they need to tie in. I mean, you know, with, with the dad and what how what happened with him and. Why did he end up right. doing what he did? And then who's this this Dodge? How does she fit into this? You know, and then Sam's coming yep. in. Why is what's, Sam and Dodge yeah, working and together? Why why are they together doing they these are, things? They are, but like what's the motivation? What's Dodge's right. endgame? Is, is what I'm very curious about. Um, you know, and, and poor Tyler is gonna walk right down. I mean, all this shit about I'm gonna get in the car. Well, you shouldn't be driving. Who says anything about driving? And it's like Right. Hey baby, There's, let's uh, get it on. Let's yeah, get you're it not on. gonna make me. You're not gonna make me drink this by myself, are you? 
<laughs> right, right. He's but up, And then you still got the and you still got the thread of what of what's going on with the, basically this the other surviving member of the group of friends from their father's past. Uh, and I'm I'm losing her name right now. Mom Ellie, talking to her Ellie. at the funeral. Ellie. Ellie, yeah. What the hell is Ellie's deal? Ellie has completely flipped uh, into I. You need to stay away from me. Don't pry. This is none of your business. Like, just not being is being a hindrance, not a help right now. As mom tries to unravel her husband and her, her husband's past. And, you know, in this link and she's got these photos, these yearbook photos. I look forward to her sifting through them and discovering something because I'm pretty sure there's going to be something that she's going to find there. Um, And Ellie not telling the whole truth, Uh, even now, even now, as things are starting to have consequence, because we all know the principal didn't kill himself. That's true. Somebody did it. Either she did it or I'm guessing Dodge did it. Could have been Sam. Who knows at this point? It's we a don't. great mystery. It's fantastic episode. Another great one. I mean, like Tony says, it's about to get good. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's already great. It's just right. going to get it's, better. So it's great. A, it's a terrific show. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's been great all the way through. And it builds on itself very well. How did you guys like the suspense of the kids trying to escape the sea caves? Uh, um, yeah, I was wondering which one of them was going to drown. Yeah. yeah. I thought they all made sure. it out. Yeah. Right. I thought for sure one of them would not. Uh, and I thought maybe it would be Doofus who was kind of supporting Kinsey throughout the whole thing. Because, thinking with his dick. Thinking yeah, thinking. With his dick. They, they get, I have to be careful of the language with the little down creeping in on the podcast now. So I'm like, check it behind me. I'm like, yes, he's thinking with his yeah. dick. Thank thinking you, with his Richard. Okay. Okay. Thinking with it. Thinking with his Richard. Thinking okay. with his one-eyed monster. It's a yeah. one-eyed oh, monster. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop there you it, go. Pa- it, Patrick, uh, let me let me just solve that for you. You know, he, he had Richard-like thinking there. He did. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're enjoying that drink. Tell us what you're drinking. What, well, yeah, what are you drinking? Uh, I mean, I always drink a I always drink a scotch. It's the same um, bottle uh, from... Scotch, scotch. That That's right. My, my, uh, my Belvini, uh, this is an American cask, is what they call it supposed to take off a little bit more uh with a with a little bit more of a flavor um kind of that kentucky bourbon sort of thing uh as opposed to sort of the traditional um scottish highland single malt that I, that it that it usually does so good stuff i'm enjoying it um uh, i don't drink quite as as fast uh i you know this is usually like a once a week sort of ordeal so unless unless otherwise noted it's probably the Belvini. Uh, but it's about time to go back to the liquor store. So we'll see what we get next week. Scotch is more of a sipping sort of whiskey, isn't it? It is. You do not want to just pound a shot of, of scotch. You will burn your throat out. It's amazing. No, no thanks. Made that mistake one time. So yeah, looking forward to episode seven when, which by and large, from what I've read, what I've heard, what Tony said is when shit gets reals and gets huge and starts to really blow up in a huge way. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing where this goes and what's next. The other thing that I wanted to talk about this week uh, as in terms of things that I watched was, and I shared a clip of it with you all. And I, I've talked about this on, on the show on more than one occasion. There's a, a, an offshoot of teen Titans on cartoon network called teen Titans go. Now Dave turns his nose up at this every time I bring it up. What? Look at it. 
I love. I just, <laughs> well, it's a DC fucking show. Why would I turn my nose up at that? I don't know, but I'm shocked that you watch this damn thing, Patrick. So again, I'll put this on the little O'Dowd, um, as it's <laughs> as it's really his show that he enjoys thoroughly. I grew attached to it because Aaron Horvath and I can't remember the other person who uh, is behind the program. They 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 very much grew up around. They got to be my age uh, because a lot of the episodes and things that they do are send offs to pop culture from the 80s when I was a kid and the 90s. For example, they just did a they did a show where Robin explains to the entire Teen Titans the definition of irony and he bases it off of the Alanis Morissette song as the little O'Dowd has returned. Um and it's just a really funny smart episode. He does an episode they do an episode based on the Goonies. Uh that's that's hilarious. Um, but this past week they've been they've been doing they've been airing new episodes and they've been airing them on Saturday in front of cartoons Cartoon Network's new iteration of the Thundercats called Thundercats Roar. And the episode is all about the Teen Titans psyched about the old 1980s Thundercats cartoon dressed up in the old school look. They turn on the episode and they see this Thundercats Roar thing. And they hate it. And they decide that they need to start a petition to the network because they hate it. And they feel that their 500 petition signatures will convince the bigwig network heads to change the show. And that the show is terrible because it is, and I quote, not exactly how I want it. And it resonated with me as somebody who follows two very specific groups of fans out there in the nerdosphere that they should all watch this show. Did you guys have a chance to catch the clip? I put it in the thread. Did, did we watch it at all? I did. Yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. I mean, I, you're a bigger Thundercats fan, obviously than I am, but oh, I love on that show. Yeah. But I love Teen Titans go. I love that show. Uh, and, and, and it's always been very cleverly done. And this was really right in their wheelhouse, what they were doing on this thing. And it was a response to the people like Dave who hate teen Titans go. I'm just going to run with the narrative, Dave, (laughs) right? Because Dave loved the old teen Titans show and wants it to come back. Right, Dave. Sure. What an asshole. I would, I wouldn't complain if they brought it back, bring back super friends while you're at it. You know, that show is so bad to watch. on Like you would, you would say that Dave. God, you go back and watch that show, and how bad is that show, Dave? Like, be be honest. Like now, oh, by current standards, it's pretty. Uh, uh, it's pretty dated. Marvin, who? What the hell was that Marvin guy? Remember Marvin? Why didn't this come up when we talked about the? Yeah, uh, with Saturday the two, with the, like the two teen, the two teenagers. Oh no, the they, they were the Wonder Twins. This was like the first version. It's like this guy with like I, he's just an ordinary dude. I think they were trying to channel Snapper Car or something like that with some ordinary schmuck. Who is just like, who is this guy? Why is he a part of this thing? He's just some kid wearing a cape. Anyway, go on. I'm in my own set of Wonder Twins back in college. Anyway. Right. <laughs> and, and, and the other the other group that I think of with this is our, our good friends in the internet wrestling community. Because, good Lord, you want to talk about a group of people that we just can't make happy? It's these two groups of people. It's like Star Wars fans. Can't make us happy. Can't make You can't make nerds happy. Can't make IDBC fans happy. 
nothing Star Wars has done except oh, uh, Tony, Last Tony Jedi has having... made you happy. Tony is yeah, happy with, with wrestling and Star Wars. I'm happy with both of them. I must be All the right. most. I must be the richest man in the world. You are the richest man in the world. Anyway, just something that I feel I wanted to put out there for people to go check out. If you've got Cartoon Network, Teen Titans Go is on all the freaking time. The episodes are running all the freaking time. Please take a moment, watch this, and then think about what the guys are actually trying to say. Not everything is for you, and it's okay. And not everything needs to be exactly the way you want it. Art can evolve, and we'll all get over it. Except for the rise of Skywalker, which is still an absolute piece of trash. And on that note, I just let it go, Pat. Living the gimmick, baby. <laughs> Living the gimmick. Let's talk about a little bit of uh, this week's good. Uh, I came across a couple of things. I shared one in the in the rundown. I found another one the, uh, today. Uh, speaking of the definition of like ultimate nerdy things, uh, Dungeons and Dragons fans rejoice. Wizards of the Coast, the publisher of Dungeons and Dragons, is giving away free supplemental materials to the Dungeons and Dragons game to help all of you with your role-playing gaming, tabletop role-playing gaming needs as you go around on Zoom playing these things. Apparently it's material that is available online, adventures, new rules, game, in-game sort of modules, stuff like that that people can download and play. And again, just a nice thing to do completely free and allow you to continue to game. Of course, with that underlying um, desire to get you to stick around once they start putting price tags back on stuff and purchasing. That's awesome. I mean, I am proud. I'm not ashamed that I'm a Dungeons and Dragons player. Are you? You're not. Patrick, you played it, right? Well, here's the thing is I'm I, it's so funny how much I miss playing and yet can't seem to find time. I There was a really funny cartoon that popped up that was like a dad talking to his son. And he's looking, he's holding these books and it's like, son, one day you'll be able to afford all these books and never have time to play them. And that's really kind of what has happened to my life. Like I used to play Dungeons and Dragons all the time in college. Uh, I was, yeah, I was, I still have my dice. I have a box of dice. My kid loves to play with them and roll with them. Now I have the three newest editions of the Dungeons and Dragons game. And I talk about this campaign that I'm going to start, damn it. And still have it. Could we, could we week by week play fifteen minutes of Dungeons and Dragons on the episode? Not if we wanted to keep what three viewers or listeners we still have. <laughs> I don't know, fifteen minutes a week. I mean, we could try. I think fifteen minutes and get you like three seconds into character creation, uh, which has always been my favorite part of the game. For for what it's worth, is is making characters. So hey. If you love the foreplay, we can stretch that out 15 Hell minutes. Oh, yeah, we can. If you like character creation, here's Big Dave's board game recommendation because God knows board gaming needs help right now. Is a, a game called Role Player, which is all about the whole game is about creating your character. And then they've got modules after the game, the main game, where you can go out right. and take your character on adventures. But it's all about character creation. So that's a game. Check it out. Nice. I thought you were going to suggest the Cones of Dunshire. Oh, classic. Yeah. classic i i still am waiting on my copy of cones of dunshire to arrive I, I you know forgot to order it but um <laughs> i don't know if it's gonna make it there <laughs> so the other thing that i saw that i i really am excited about and think is terrific uh you've heard you've probably heard us we've talked about this on the show before but comiXology is offering a 60-day 
free trial right now. And if you're a comic book person who just wants the person who should hear this information is the guy allegedly coming on the show next week. What one Mr. Rick. And here's why. And, and because the whole precipice of the show, the whole prim, sorry, premise, not precipice, the whole premise of this show when we started it was educating Rick on where the storylines for these Marvel movies came from, where the storylines for these DC comic storylines come from, like these DCU stuff and the WB and all that. And so we would be like, Rick, here's your homework assignment. You should read these things. And then Rick would never read them because Rick would never do his homework. And Rick then we'd berate him for it. He doesn't read. <laughs> he and does he know how to read? He is, knows I how mean, to read. He just doesn't. He's one of these guys who doesn't enjoy it. I don't know. Uh, Tony shares links with him and he never reads them. So, you know, I'm not sure that he knows. There you go. <laughs> but for anybody that's looking to catch up on. And here's the interesting thing about what's actually free on Comixology within the 60 day free trial is that it's a lot. You can go back in time and read so many great old storyline comic book arcs, more recent arcs trade paperbacks underground shit that maybe isn't necessarily something that you listen to on the first go around lots and lots of really good stuff and they do digitally upload uh issues of current comics and so you could it's it's a nice vehicle and again it's a way for them to eventually have you become a subscriber but if you want to catch up on what's been going on in the world of comic books this is a terrific opportunity to do it and you know sign up you can do it like we'll do it through amazon um, and we'll do, we're going to start doing comics on uh, the Kindles. The little O'Dowd has a Kindle. The Mrs. O'Dowd has a Kindle. So I can borrow either one and like we can run through comics and we can catch up on storylines and not just some of the mature stuff. Some of the kids stuff is on there too. Uh, and then so something that's a little more age appropriate for, you know, eight year old little O'Dowd. If I may, because I mean, I've been exactly, <laughs> he's showing it right there, lock and key. Um, I've been a comicsology. I mean, that's been my main thing for comics for eight years now. I mean, I've got just a massive library on the Comixology app itself. Uh, and Comixology is fantastic. Most everything is there, either in a single issue or a collected edition. They've got graphic novels like Lock and Key. They've got just about everything. Uh, I mean, Comixology is absolutely fantastic. And and the best thing about it, one of the best things they've got is when you go into a book, they've got that guided view technology Right. You know, if you've read a actual paper version of comics, sometimes it's hard to figure out which panel is going where and the order of all this stuff. Um, this guides you through that. So you are, you know, you're currently figure out, OK, here's where the dialogue's actually going. Now, yeah, sometimes it cuts off some of the artwork because they just blend from one page to the next. But right. it's, it's a fantastic tool. Uh, Patrick, I wanted to do this with you. I want to put you on the spot right now. Comixology, if you could recommend one story out there to somebody new or, you know, on the fence wanting to read comics and they've got access to all of Comixology's library, what would you recommend to them? Just first thing that pops in your mind. See, that's tough because I'm thinking the first thing that I want to read. I've never read Why the Last Man, and that's really what I want to read. Nice. Uh, and so much so that I've got the monster omnibus. I got it right before everything closed. So I have this tome of the first series of Why the Last Man post-apocalyptic world uh all men are dead except for one guy and his pet monkey and him surviving in, in this world uh full of women trying to get him 
<laughs> sounds like an interesting time. It's a, it's a really it's a, it's a very well regarded series. It's it's going to be turned into a series, uh, I think, on either Amazon Prime or something like that. Which is why I wanted to pop it. It's the same reason why, if I were going to do that, I would either read that or if I was looking for something to launch people into, I would probably pull around. I would either do around Avengers 500 or around Amazing Spider-Man 500 and just catch up for about five to ten years uh, of comics. It doesn't take long. Yeah, on my end, if I was if on the DC side, I'd say read the Dark Knight. You know, the Dark Knight Returns, right. the Batman story, the classic Frank Miller story. On Marvel, I'd say based on the current situation and the times, I'd say go read Craven's Last Hunt, which is a tremendous like, Spider-Man story. Which is my all-time favorite Spider-Man story. I know it story. is, We've but it's it's a, we have, but it's it's, it's so a dark, really good dude. That's the world we live in right now, you know. Well, but uh, and here's the thing: is I wouldn't want you to launch into that one just because it is kind of it's. It's it's dark. It's just it's a very I, it's not where I would start somebody for Spider. I would actually start Spider Man with like a Sinister Six storyline yeah. or a Doctor Octopus storyline. Maybe the one where he and Doctor Octopus switch bodies. That's always a that's always a great one where Doc Ock is Spider Man for a significant period of time. And like Dan's showing, I mean, if you're remotely interested in Lock and Key after listening to this show or watching the show, <laughs> watching the series, go read the uh the graphic novel which goes on for like six volumes isn't it yeah. stephen king's son writes this isn't it is that who that is uh, I, yeah. I think that's who it is joe it might hill. be i'm not sure joe hill yeah i think name, that's I, don't know. I think that's stephen king's son's pseudo name if i would uh, look at oh i was gonna say if I, if I would recommend anything for people who are a fan of the marvel universe and who've gone through the whole you know all the movies and the avengers story and everything i've actually read all the hard copies of it but go go back and read the whole entire history of thanos and the story of thanos mm -hmm. and how he was how he, his whole when he got started when he was on titan and all the way through to when he was you know got the infinity gauntlet and everything because i think i, I read them bef right before the last uh before endgame came out i went through and read all the comics for that and i thought the story in the comics is just amazing and it's not, you know, it's not exactly the same as you as you see in the movies. But I think for people that have seen the movies or and enjoy that genre and that story, that would really get them kicked off into wanting to read the comics. I think, and, and it's it's a very interesting story. It's very awesome to read. So that'd be my recommendation: is, is go through his history. Yeah, he's a different character in the comics than he is in the in the movies. Make 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 sure you also um, catch the issues where he has the Thanos copter. Yes. <laughs> this is a, this is a real thing it's almost as good as that spider-man car if, if i were to pick out one other i'll do one last one uh before we move on into the meat of today's show old man logan is is a oh, good yeah. set of comics to read as well old man logan is it's just great it's i mean that's storytelling and art as much as as anything that you would see in, in the world of comics. So take take that and give that a look. But guys, that's not that's not why we're here. Right? Like that's that's not what we talked about this at the top of the show. We're here to talk video games today and we're gonna talk consoles for the next five weeks, uh, in varying degrees. Consoles and, and PCs, we we wrapped those in there as well. Um and to, to kind of get us kicked off on this, I just figured we should give our listeners a pretty good background of who we are and where we come from. Now, we have seen a little bit into the inner sanctum of D DPP's Dan's um, Dan's lair, 
We the saw we saw the saw the Thunderdome. We saw what was that machine called last week? The Gargantuan Games. The, the Games. So we know. And so I'm gonna let you kick it off, Dan. Tell us what video games mean to you and how they've impacted your life to make you the 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 model nerd that you are today. Well, growing up being uh, and continuing to be quite an introvert and very socially awkward and you know having social anxiety, I was always kind of a loner and liked to do things by myself for the most part. And I spent a lot of time playing video games and that as well. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> and then you met PC Tony. <laughs> yeah, that was a whole other era. <laughs> but before that, different time. That was before a that time. when the Nintendo console came out. I, I, from uh, the start, uh, again, it kind of starts with my brother, who really was into video games and kind of got me going because I always, you know, did what he did, and it really started from there. You know, our first console was the ColecoVision with the Atari attachment on it as well. And playing through that, working our way, the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo was just huge for me. And, I mean, just the whole learning coordination and, the you know, the, the spectacle of stories and how you can tell different things and you can get lost in this fantasy world for however long and not have to think about kind of reality or what's going on around you was was just awesome for me and it just it, it gave you this this ability to think other than just what's going on and, and be able to kind of fantasize and, and create your own little world and you know it, it just gave me an escape from being out in the world and, and being able to just kind of lose myself in my own brain which was the best part of it and from yeah from just I don't know how old I was, eight years old when I first got the Nintendo and remember being so excited to have it and just playing every single game there was available and you'd play for hours on end because the games were so goddamn hard and you know, you never could get to a finish and like it was, it was so satisfying when you could actually finish a game back then. It was so different. It's like an episode of Nitro. <laughs> a marathon. It just never ended. <laughs> we're out of time. And now, you know, just watching the evolution of it and, you know, you see graphics just get better and stories just get so deep. And now, you know, you got campaigns that last 30, 40. You could play for hundreds of hours if you're like a Witcher fan or whatever. It's just, it's so engrossing. And you, you can just, again, you lose yourself for however long that you just, you're you're built into this world and you can create your own characters and just live a... What was it on the office was uh, Second Life that uh, Dwight Schrute would play, basically, where he could just, you know, he create, you could just be your, be somebody else for however long of a time you want. And that was always what was cool for me. And just that was my big nerdy thing. I wasn't really into, like you guys mentioned, Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. We, where I lived, we didn't, there wasn't, I guess, my family, we didn't have a lot of friends come over or get togethers. It was just me and my brother and, me, and my sister, maybe. So, I was kind of on my own to play, and these were my outlets to be able to play because you didn't need anybody to play these games. So it was awesome, and it was it was my life, and continues to be my life. As I, you know, with the Xbox, and now you know, I built my own PC not too long ago, and I've upgraded to a the Valve Index, and I'm playing virtual reality now, and it's just unbelievable the things you can do, and it's this whole another level of getting lost into into things and. 
if you haven't played VR, it's I, I can't I can't recommend it anymore. It's it's unbelievable the technology that they have nowadays. It's so fun to play. Nice. And so while living in your isolation, surrounded by a cocoon of video games, a man entered your life and changed it forever. So let's segue into that great influence that is Mr. Golden T himself, PC Tunny. What about you, man? Yeah, DP and I, we met uh, high school, played basketball together. So DP is not a total uh, basement dweller 24-7. He does get out and have some athleticism in him. He was quite the basketball player back in the day. For me, uh, much like DP, I got the Nintendo Entertainment System when I was six years old. It came with Mike Tyson's Punch-Out underneath the tree, and it was probably one of the best days of my life. Uh, I started there, went to Sega Genesis, uh, Super Nintendo, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, Xbox, many iterations, and right now PS4. And just today, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and NBA 2K. Um, So... That's where I'm at. That's kind of my video game life. A lot of my video game life was driven by being out at the bars with my parents and things of that nature or different yeah. establishments like we talked at last week. So, And then I had other friends in grade school. We'd get together and play games like the Maddens and things of that nature. So always enjoyed getting together, playing against other people more so than just doing a solo run kind of thing. I was more of a sports guy. So you might see a little bit more sports on my list. But that, yeah, that's that's a uh, video game history of one PC Tony. And Dave, I know you were there when video games were invented. Oh, geez. So, Here we go. Oh, so that's take, true. That's so take, true. Us, take, take us back to the olden days, Mr. Ungar, and talk to us. Yeah, I mean, our, yeah, I, I remember when the Atari 2600 launched and then television came along and then ColecoVision came along, like Dan was saying. And then, and then, I mean, I remember the crash. You know, video games did crash after Atari. I mean, it was, remember E.T.? How many cartridges of that game are buried in the desert somewhere? It was a disaster. And video games were dead and buried until the NES came out and resurrected everything and then took it to entirely new levels. And then, yeah, you had the Genesis, you had SNES. Uh, I I think, like, video games for me really ramped up even more uh, around the time that the PS2 and the Xbox and the GameCube were, were launched because then I somehow, and I don't know how I became like one of the original forum moderators when major league gaming launched and, you know, major league gaming is one of the big esports leagues that is out there right now. And, and, you know, I was with them at the beginning, started organizing like local tournaments here in, in Bakersfield, which then were like feeder tournaments for the big things that they were launching in Los Angeles. So I suck at multiplayer games, but you know, you have to, that's the only way you can do some of this esports stuff. And so you know, I sat there and watched the, um, you know, the evolution of games like Halo and Halo 2, uh, some of this, the fighting games like the Evo stuff, Street Fighter and all that sort of stuff, like, uh, um, you know, some of the racing games like Gran Turismo and things like that. So I, I kind of really got into it then. And then, yeah, once you got to the PS2 level and then the, like Dan was saying, you got these games with these tremendous stories going on. NES and, and Sega and SNES too had those great stories, but then it really got amplified. The graphics were starting to catch up with the vision of these guys who were making the games around the time of the PS2, the Xbox, GameCube, and then, yeah, into the current when they went to the PS3 and the Xbox 360, and it just kept going. And I mean, they, 
I echo a lot of what Dan says. I was, I, for a long time, I was an introvert. And then, you know, I discovered stuff like girls and marijuana and things like that. And I was no longer an introvert, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, I, I like Tony, I'm a big sports gamer, but there are no sports games on my list just because I'm like, well, I, I don't want to put sports games because those are just very different. And, and very few of those really stand out as something like I'd say, yeah, that's better than some of the other stuff that's on here. But I'm a big sports gamer. I, you know, a lot of wrestling games and that sort of thing. But yeah, video games have been with me shit my whole life. I mean, and I've seen and I, I love the fact that I've seen the evolution of these very basic, like you look at Atari football. <laughs> back on the oh, 2600 yeah. with the three alien looking dudes coming down the screen and then you compare that to like madden now and it's like i, I never would have thought that they would have games that are approaching photorealism like they're getting to right now and it's uh it, it's been a great ride i mean it, it, they've been a big part of my life uh not you know i can't i can't say enough about it i i think i've seen just about everything in video games in my ancient years patrick as you like to remind me you know 51 is ancient. It is. Old man on guard. <laughs> anyway. Your story, Patrick. Don't worry. You can't so, skip out on yours. No, no. And I'll, I, th- I shared this story, I think, last week. My first home video game system, I didn't. my parents didn't actually purchase for me. That was the, uh, the Atari 2600 that uh, I quote-unquote won because my aunt entered me into... <laughs> a drawing to win one from a local Burger King every time she went into work at said local Burger King. And so my name was in this thing a lot. And so I won an Atari 2600 in like 50 some games. I want to say some have seen that came in like a case. It was, I know, right. It was, uh, I was like, like Tony, I, I see Tony marking out a little bit over that, but I was so little at the time that I didn't really play it very much initially. I played a lot of Atari 2600 Pac-Man. Like I won this thing when I was like four, four or five. Like I was really, I remember playing Atari 2600 Pac-Man and being like, this sounds nothing like real Pac-Man because none of it did. Um, and so, you know, I have some good memories of that first game system, but like a lot of folks, the the real one that, that sucked me in forever was the Nintendo entertainment system. That first eight bit, uh, I had Mario Brothers Duck Hunt. That was the game that came with the dual the dual game. Played both of those. Found myself more attracted to the clay pigeon shooting uh, game on Duck Hunt as opposed to the actual Duck Hunt. Fuck that fucking dog. And we'll we'll talk more about that goddamn dog later. I'm sure. But that was that was really the first uh, that was the first system that to where like that was my system i had a younger brother it was mine i played it all the time that was when i started being able to get games and then video stores made a huge difference so i didn't buy a lot of games we didn't have a lot of money growing up so we didn't buy a lot of games we rented games from the video store all the time and that like i would rent them and would rent the same game over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until we beat it and very very rarely unless i was really sold on a game and there's a few of them we'll talk about them throughout the show that that like i was able to buy so i didn't really own a lot of games same thing with the super nintendo like i had a super nintendo through my teen years and whatever into college but didn't play like i actually kind of fell out of playing video games a little bit throughout high school i i focused more on all i was very involved in high school even though i wasn't what you would call popular so i was always pretty busy with like extracurriculars and things like that 
And so I didn't, I actually stopped, like I really didn't play a lot of, a ton of video games and stuff with the Super Nintendo very often, uh, nearly as much as I did with the NES. But then I went back to college and, or went to college. And when I got to college and kind of finding my footing and was a little, like, that was where introverted me really kind of reared its head. I had, I didn't have trouble making friends, but like, I didn't have a ton of friends and the PlayStation one was like the big thing, the PlayStation one and the PC. And I can, you know, one of the games we'll talk about later on the list is actually PC and kind of the infancy of online gaming with other people uh, and co-op gaming and that sort of thing and, and how that went on. So that's really where it came to is the PlayStation one and the PlayStation two which for me, being a big fan, I'm a big fan of RPGs. You know, you heard um, Dave talk about like he's a big sports guy, but there's not a lot of sports games. My two go-to types of games were really role-playing games and sports games. And so as we get further and further along, those are the those are the type of games you'll see later and later on my list. And today, I actually find that I spend more time playing games with my kid then I do playing games on my own. Like I don't really have a lot of time to play games that I want to play necessarily for, for just wanting to share the experience with my son. And so a lot of what happens with video games now, and he's really interested in retro games, he's really into Mario. And so having him like get into Mario and Mario games is really kind of where we've started. And we bought the retro Nintendo entertainment system and he plays mario all the time he's terrible at it but he loves because it's that's the character that he's aren't that we he's into. all and then he yeah well and I, I made this joke last week those games are grossly unfair and those nintendo games were like they were hard they're so tough like and you go back and you play those games now and we you like now it's 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 totally different but i remember half the glory was being able to brag about being able to beat a game, you know, a particular game that people thought was like tough and like having that badge of honor. And so, you know, love games, love video games, play them way more, um, played them way more in college, obviously. Uh, and have tapered off since, you know, having a home and a kid and somebody who wants to take up console time on his own. So that's my story, fellas. Good stuff. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into our list is Dave has been arguing about what the real console war is. I will say I am of the mind for my, for me growing up and today it was all about the Nintendo versus Sega console war and who was really the superior, who had the superior console. Dave, you maintain that it's the Xbox PlayStation war is that correct and nintendo as well and nintendo and there's actually three wars you could say the sony versus nintendo war was uh, was another Ooh. third was war in this whole thing. i it think so. well a, i mean it was a falling out that's for sure i mean what would have happened if nintendo would have kept their kept going with their whole plan and right. sony the playstation would have never happened that would have been nintendo. and the technology the technology completely changed they went from cartridges to the, the cd based thing yeah which mm-hmm. revolutionized the industry. So I don't know. I mean, it, you could make arguments for all three. I think that's for sure. I think for me at, at the time, I mean, I, I, I say Nintendo and Sega was ultimately more of the war because at the time it was, you either had one or the other and there was specific <laughs> games 
for Cat agrees. Yeah, always agrees. And well, <laughs> there was always there was specific games for Sega and there were specific games for Nintendo. And you Gizmos is a Sega fan. I will absolutely concede that point. From the standpoint of exclusivity, yeah, yeah you, you can't and, compare the two. And PlayStation and Xbox had it a little bit, and they still kind of, with like the Uncharted series, uh, was you know specific Halo. to PlayStation, Halo specific to Xbox, so a little bit there, but not as much as we had back then, and that's kind of why I feel like at that point the wars were a little bit bigger because you generally didn't have both. You either had one or the other, and they were so different. That, you know, I was always a Nintendo guy. I never had the Segas, so. I always remember going to my friend's house to to play his Sega because I was a Nintendo guy. And I wanted to see what the big deal was. And I remember, for me, for me, the reason why Sega, the Sega-Nintendo war is really the big one is because Nintendo won and ended Sega in the console business. And, like, that, to me, like, that competition was fierce. And it was fascinating to me when you look at all the advances that Sega would make that Nintendo would usurp and somehow convince people was better. Like people don't realize the Dreamcast was a really good machine. The Sega's, first, first ability to go online was the Dreamcast. Sega CD was ahead of its time. Now Sony sort of swooped in there around that time too and kind of helped it along yeah sony helped their demise greatly but but nintendo and sega was where it was at and that was the fight and that was the argument and you would have like i would in the schoolyard you would have kids living and dying by their system and you watch these two companies oh there's a dreamcast dreamcast yeah i still you and phil smars I still love the South Park episode where Cartman is trying to get a Sega Dreamcast and goes through time travel to try and get one. It's hilarious. Uh, but the Dreamcast was supposed to save Sega, and it didn't. <laughs> um, it got out-marketed. It was crazy. Um, and I, I've talked about this book. I forgot to look it up and get the title, but there's a really well-written book. I'll see if I can find it for the for the Bandwagoners Twitter feed. But it actually talks about all the infighting and the death of Sega in the competition with Nintendo in particular, and then in the late onset of the PlayStation 1. But yeah, for me, it was never a question because Sega and Nintendo, like, wars of words all the time with people. And I remember, you know... Sega got the leg up with Mortal Kombat at the time because they had the the bloody version of Mortal Kombat. But then that was like this black mark when Tipper Gore's going after video games (laughs) and rock music and and really put a black eye on Sega because Sega tried to skew a little mature with some of its content. That was the same thing that buried the Sega CD is they had a couple of games that were like horror games that people just didn't get behind because they were like given the heebie-jeebies by some questionable content. Well, and here I thought Barkley's Shut Up and Jam was going to, you know, rock the world on Sega CD. (laughs) It didn't. (laughs) One of my closest friends growing up, like he swore by the Sega CD. He was devastated when they discontinued making that. And I remember... Remember the Sega Saturn? That was oh, another yeah, the one. Saturn, that came out. My, yep, he had a he had a Saturn. Um, I it just seemed like every time Sega came out with a new product, Nintendo somehow would come out with a less good product. 
Because I'll even say that Nintendo's capabilities were often technologically behind Sega, but yet Nintendo somehow would convince people that Sega was the better, or that Nintendo was the better product and the better machine. Well, remember Game Gear? Remember when Game yeah. Gear came out? But then Nintendo was like, hey, check out our Game Boy. And everybody's like, oh, I love the Game Boy. How? I think How? N- Nintendo had the more iconic characters that people were more familiar with and could relate to. You had Mario, you had Zelda, you had Mega Man, you had, you, had, you know, Super Metroid. Sonic had, or Sega had Sonic. And, and not, and I had a Sega Genesis. You know, I was, I had the Genesis. My buddy had the SNES. So we were always going back, like you were saying, Patrick, going back and forth to each other. Say, hey, check this out. Check that out. I mean, one of the games that didn't make my list, but I remember it vividly, the greatest hockey game that I still have ever played is NHL 94 for the Sega Genesis. Uh, is that where you make people's heads bleed? I don't, you can I don't know, Wayne but Gretzky's it was the... head, head bleed for super fan number 99 over there. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> for fuck's sake, that line was supposed to be saved for four episodes from now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But uh, I, you know, I think all those are great points, and I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. To me, the the Sony, Microsoft, GameCube. I mean, they they've literally wrapped the biggest gaming convention in the world around this competition, and they each try to one up each other, and it's still going on today. You've got you know, you Sony with PlayStation Two, Xbox counters with the release of the original Xbox. Nintendo says, well, we got to get a GameCube out there. These three companies have been jockeying for two decades now, and now you've got the Switch is out there. Now but you've got the PS. Really, I, I guess there's, but I don't ever see like the thing that I find very different about this. I don't see the heated debate over these two. Like I think corporate wise, sure they're competitors and they fight, but like this is the thing that I think is really interesting. And I, I can't remember if it was Tony or da- or Dan that mentioned it. You had one or the other. I go to I go to places right, now, right. and kids got all three systems, I, all four I got systems. All of them. I See, don't have a I, switch. I don't have a switch, but but off, and I mean that, and, and that's the thing is even me like I'm looking at a switch for the little O'Dowd. Yeah, I am too. So that so that he could have something to play, not on the television. No, I agree with you from from the standpoint of uh, you know to me, the big three thing going on around is more like Marvel and DC. You know, they're rivals, but there is some level of cooperation, and it's a little bit more friendly. Uh, right. Sony, like it was Micro- cutthroat. Yeah, it was Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have leveraged this uh, this competition, air quoting, to create this mega conference and to create more exposure for the industry as a whole. Like you know, Blizzard has jumped in on this with their BlizzCon events, which are tremendous events in their own right. Um, so I-, I could see from the standpoint of what was more cutthroat, what was more serious. Yeah, I'd say the Sega Gen, the Sega versus uh, Nintendo thing was big. I, from pushing the industry forward and where we are now, yeah, I think the big three, the war between the big three has really revolutionized the industry in a way that Sega versus Nintendo didn't quite do. I guess they are kind of different sort of wars. Gentlemen, any other thoughts? All right. So really, <laughs> we went through this big debate and nobody won. So there we go. No determinations. Tell us your own thoughts on your favorite consoles again on the bandwagon nerds, Twitter handle at bandwagon nerds. Give us a listen. Tell us your opinions. Cause we're not going to be able to do a poll on the top like console games of all time, especially if we keep shoehorn horning other people in as long as what we keep th- it to four, we'll be fine. Well, we'll keep it to four. What do you guys, what do you guys think about a break? Why don't we take a, why don't we take a little break? Why don't we pay the bills? 
Why don't we get our get our advertising out of the way so that we can come back and we're going to run down our top fifty as as Tony pointed out. Anytime we do these lists, it takes a good forty five minutes for us to get through them because we we got so much to say. No, not on air. You've talked about it though, like, and you're not wrong. Like you're not wrong. Like this isn't an insult. This isn't like when I'm talking about Dave. Like this is just you know being honest. But um, no, we're gonna take a little break, pay the bills, tell you to listen to our network. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, Chairshot.com. You can also listen to us on eWrestling.com. One other site. What is it, Raja? Is that who we're on now too? eWrestlingNews.com and Raja.com. Raja.com. That's right. And we will catch you on the backside. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Okay, and welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds. Fellas, what do you say we get into it? Why don't you talk some video games? Let's do it. I got to tell you, I, um, for such a violent little game, it has such a joyful little opening, by the way, such a fun little like, hey, look at this, it's going to be great. Now you're going to punch somebody in the face for, you know, a couple hours. But uh, shout out to you, Dan. Thanks for thanks for finding the, the official Bandwagon Nerds Top 50 video game theme song. We will be playing this copyrighted material every week uh, until we <laughs> get Dave, until there. Dave gets a cease and dismiss. Uh, but who cares? Nobody listens to us anyway. Uh, only, only three people. Only three people. Uh, I don't know. I've never asked for the download numbers, but yeah, let's let's get into this. Uh, we we went through the four of us. We agreed to come up with our top fifty console games of all time, and obviously we can't go through a list of fifty on one show. That's kind of ridiculous. That would be you know four hours of us just talking about video games over and over and over again. And it doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. So what we wanted to do was we're going to break it down into sections. We're going to break it down piece by piece. Um, and we're going to do our bottom 10 today. We're starting at the 50, going 50 to 41, and run them through. We're not quite certain. There's a little bit of a back and forth as to how we're going to work this, what we're going to do in terms of if somebody's got a list a little bit later on. We're going to see how the flow goes. Uh, play it a little bit by ear. I love the mindset of we we cover as we go, and even if it's later on somebody's list, we can cover it twice, and that's okay. It's really about what these, you know, what these lists mean to us. Uh, but if we find that it's just getting too damn redundant, which is also possible too, we may we may flip it and, and go back to another way. I think that we'll get a better idea as we look at sort of where where these lists take us throughout the uh, throughout the show. What I what I did was I took last week's rotation and I just moved myself from the front to the back and slid everybody forward. So today, 
for our rotisserie style top 50. We're going to start with uh, DPP. You're going to go first, followed by PC Tunny, then Dave, and then I will bring up the rear just as I like it. <laughs> Did so we before- say that joke last week? I know. I feel like it'll just be a running joke, and next week it'll be somebody, just how Dan likes somebody, it. Somebody's taking it. Somebody's in the taking rear. it in the rear. And this week it is you. Um, as long as we're not <laughs> human centipeding this thing, I'm fine. No, no, I think we'll be okay. Um, teenage placenta, Dan. Is that uh, what you're talking stop about? Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! We were not going there today. We were not going to talk about that. I made a point to avoid that. How dare you, sir? There's enough Shame. of that on the DWI podcast, That's anyway. Sure. So anyway, <laughs> we we have got we have got a chock full list to go through. So why don't we not waste any more time? We're gonna jump right in. We're gonna start with Mr. DPP. Why don't you lay it on us, everybody? Your number fifty in your top fifty of fifty home video games of all time. Well, we talk about how it's gonna. This is very unique to us, and we. This is like one of the ultimate nostalgia games for me, and I would have been remiss not to have it on my list. And it's my only Atari game on my list, and that's Asteroids. Oh, okay. And I know generally it was more it initially started as an arcade game. I never played it in the arcade in the old black and white. I've had it for the console. I had it for the Atari, and I had the color version with the little what looked like I called them potato chips coming at your little yeah. ship, <laughs> yeah. and he had to shoot him. And I just remember this game so well because this was back at the time where there wasn't an ending. There was no finish to a game, basically. At this point, your whole goal was to just flip that number from 9999 oh, back to zero and start all over again almost. Nice. And I remember sitting playing this game with my brother. We would basically hand off the controller between each other because we didn't want to stop the game. And we'd keep it going, and I just remember my mom always yelling to us that it's time for dinner, and we'd go, no, 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 we'll be right there. We just need to flip the score one more time, and then we can turn it off. And it was just so fun, and I remember that that memory is just in, you know, embedded into my head of that, playing that game with him, and just that whole thing of, it was, it was, there wasn't much to it, right? But it was just so fun right. to play, and just remembering that, the goal was how many times could we flip that score around to zero? And really, you know, we never wanted to turn it off until we could a certain amount of time. So that one was just always a great game for me. Quick question. Did that game require the knob controller or were you still using the joystick and the handle? I couldn't like, cause there were two different controllers that the, came with the, the Atari. The paddle? Yeah. The paddle. Yeah, the paddle. Yeah. The paddle. yeah. This one was just the joystick. We, there was oh, the gotcha. paddle for this one. So we just, yeah. Joystick that could I couldn't, turn. I couldn't even tell you which games required the paddle. Yeah. Other than tennis. I've got like it. I've got an Atari flashback eight deluxe and you'd be surprised how many games like breakout. You have to play that with the paddle, yeah. that sort of thing. There's uh, a racing Tempest. game for that too. Oh, Tempest. Yeah. Quite the, quite the nerdist name drop there, but go ahead. <laughs> hey, that's on my Atari list. That's on my uh, Amazon list right now to pick up one. of Very those. nice. <laughs> listen, you gotta get the listen, ones. There's the more. Controllers. There's more important things to be shipped right now, DP. Jeez. That's why I didn't buy it yet. It's on my list. It's on the, it's on the wish list. You could you could start one of those ad camp. You know, one of those like fundraising campaigns. You get people don't, to buy stuff for you. Don't on your wish list. for Dan's Atari flashback. 
Very nice, very nice. I need something to oh, do during geez. this time of quarantine. <laughs> oh, God. Tony, what was your number 50, man? I think our 50s are the same, so I'm going to trail you off do? here and let it... Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to trail off here and, and let you do your 50 after Dave does his 50, if, if I'm not mistaken. All right. My 50, like like Dan, is the only Atari 2600 game on my list, and it's Pitfall. And I, this game was... Um, it, Hold on. I got it on this very episode. How about that? All right. You want to wait? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about it when we get to yours, Tony. I got it on this very episode. Okay, perfect. Valid, valid. You actually you actually mentioned it on the DWI thing the other night, talking about swinging on vines and shit. Yeah, yeah that's right. There it is. <laughs> anyway, uh, my number 50 was one that... Um, used to drive me nuts as a kid when you would see uh, that deadly sentence of Patrick has died from dysentery, Oregon Trail, the the scourge of grade schools all around America, and yet also at home on your Apple 2600E whatever. You'd slide those discs in. I, uh, I the can't, Apple II? The Apple IIe, yep, that's what it was. Um, the Apple IIe, play that damn game. You'd be like, how is it that you die every time? Like, fucking A. Like, when you finally got to goddamn Oregon, it was a joyous occasion. But I died of dysentery just like everybody else so many times. Or snake bites. I, snake bites used to get me all the time, too. Damn it. Fucking snakes. All my food would be rotten and dead. Ugh. But I played it all the time, and I loved it. And it was, I don't know if I loved the game I just needed to get it to the end. You know what I mean? Like that desperate need to like survive and succeed. That might've been it. So Tony, was this your 50 as well? Yes. This is also my 50. Uh, when I was, and it's because of the story I'm going to tell right now, when I was in fifth grade at lunch, we had three more classes, right? And where I went to school, we were all in the same class for fifth grade. It wasn't like you had lockers and you were traveling around. It wasn't middle school yet. So we would, you would give in 15 minutes of break time after lunch during one of those three periods. So regardless of whether the, the teacher was teaching or whatever, you could go back to the computer and you could do whatever you wanted, right? So me and a group of three or four others, and DP probably knows some of these people that I went to grade school with, uh, we would... Uh, share our time and make it consecutive on certain days of the week and eventually beat Oregon Trail. That's what we would do in fifth grade. So we would take 15 minutes nice. at a time to avoid dysentery and, you know, uh, you know, collect 700 pounds of beef, et cetera, and, and shooting a bison and then move, move on with our day. That was, that was fifth grade folks. That was fifth grade. <laughs> it was a better, it was, a, it was a greater time. It was a better, it was a better time. Make sure you don't My, drown in the river either. Oh, okay. I can always ford the river. I can always get across yeah. the river. The only time you could actually control things, like in trying to get them across the river. Oh, good times. Always, always fix the spoke in the wheel. Always. Always. <laughs> yep. Don't don't want to lose you. Don't want to lose your wagon. You're totally screwed. My number forty nine. DPP made a joke about this, but I, I had fully intended to put these on my list. Uh, from the beginning, and that was the Leisure Suit Larry game series for the PC. And I, I see three nods because you all know, like when you're when you were young and you were kind of like hee 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 hee, and like this naughty video game. 
it really wasn't particularly naughty. Like really when you get down to it, like in the land of porn games, there have been bigger offenders, but the, the, the dig that was my first foray into digital boobs. Like I didn't have, um, that Custer game on the Atari or whatever it was. Um, or any of those. Yeah. I see you're laughing because you all know what I'm talking about. From, from the inception of anything, there's always a porn version, including Atari 2600 games. But uh, Leisure Suit Larry, the thing that was really interesting about those games is they were, you know, they were, you, you had this pathetic schlub of a dude walking around through various situations. But with really, it was, they were, they were decently challenging puzzles and stuff for you to solve and get through to be rewarded with crappy digital breasts. Like, that's really what you were going for. The goal is to get laid. <laughs> and it was implied that you got laid, but like you never got to see the payoff. Like it was always a lie. Like Larry would come walking out all disheveled and you're like, well, I guess I succeeded. But like, but the games, I mean, and the games were bad humor, but fun. Uh, and, and just, just some good old red blooded American pornographic video games that weren't real. It was more like softcore, ha ha porn. Well, it was yeah, like you said, the puzzles were great. You know, it was right. You're you're trying to you basically you know go go on a quest to go collect this, and then you end up having to talk to a guy who need to go pick up this from this other store, and you're walking between right. these different locations. And yeah, it was it was a fun game to play. All the different versions that they had, and they actually have come out with one recently. Oh, I'm sure they have the the last the one that I remember playing the most when I was in college. He was on a cruise ship, like that's all I remember. He was on a cruise ship, wandered around, had some head voice acting um and the two he runs into two country western singers that are why don't you and nail me jug that was their names and i just remember being like at the time like hey, that's funny all right <laughs> uh, uh dave you're number 49 my friend my number 49 is the uh only game on my list that comes from the uh Hold on a second. Somebody's moving something here. <laughs> it's the uh, only game on my list that comes from the Nintendo Wii, and that is uh, Wii Sports is number forty nine. Mm. And the reason it's it's what on this he's... episode, really on this Jeez. episode. All right, yes, really? Dave. Wow, I love you. this is crazy. <laughs> wow. All right, Tony. I guess list, it's your it's number. Not on this episode. <laughs> all right, it is not on my list at all. So shut up. Go ahead, Tony. What's your forty nine? <laughs> My 49 is uh, one of a few PC games that I actually have on my list, and it's Microsoft Golf. I remember being young and being able to go onto my stepmom's computer, which was like one of the best computers you could get at the time in the 90s because she was so tech advanced and being IT and everything back in that age and everything and advancing on in the future and knowing what's going on and building websites back then and stuff she was doing. But I was able to get Microsoft Golf. And like you could actually play Tory Pines, right? Like so, there was oh, an actual course on there, so you could like it was click and hold, release for power, and then click again for accuracy. And it was the swing meter up and back, round and down. And it was one of the first games. Like I got my dad to play Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, and I got my dad to play Tech Mobile, but like it wasn't like playing video games with somebody, right? It was it just wasn't. He was just there. But Microsoft Golf, as a golfer, to get him to sit down and learn how to play it and get him to actually be able to shoot under par and, like, want to play, like, hey, it's Sunday after dinner. Let, Hey, you want to play a round of Microsoft Golf? 
So that was pretty cool. Uh, one of the first golf games to me that seemed really, really like golf. I had very similar Thanks. with uh, Microsoft. I think it was Microsoft or EA that had Lynx. I don't know if that's the sequel to Microsoft Golf or not, but I, that was very much the similar same type of thing. And I remember PGA before, Tour did the same stuff. Tiger yeah. Woods Golf did the same mechanic. Right. It was awesome. Number 49 uh, is the first uh, one of the series of Gears of War was for the it's, Xbox. It was one of the Xbox exclusives, I think, as well. It's not on this episode, but it is on a future one. Okay. So go ahead, Dan. I, I just remember this one for just being, it was very innovative, I think, for its time. There was They did a lot of things that they that you didn't normally see in video games at the point with being able to kind of run and run and slide into covers and be able to quick switch and dive in between different, you know, buildings or different cover spots for, for spots for shooting at guys. I remember just these big fucking mercenary dudes, you know, Marcus Phoenix was, was the character and there were these big burly guys that would get sent into the, you know, into battle, into the front line. And you end up fighting these, I don't know if they were aliens or like what kind of characters they were supposed to be, but, it was it was just something so very different for what what was going on during that time. And when you would sprint and run, you know the screen would kind of shake a little bit, like knowing like, hey, these guys are in a fast sprint, and you can't really control them that well. Where in a lot of games you could just kind of jump out of it. And when they started sprinting, you were really sprinting forward, and you couldn't really turn much. But being able to jump between different covers and pop out and shoot with the click of a button, basically, to take down these different guys, and they would kind of come in in waves. A little bit, you'd run to a certain area, and then you'd have a, a wave of a handful of different enemies to go after. But it was just something so different at the time that it was just really cool to play. It was really fun. If you if you're a fan of more of the type of like cover and shoot rather than just going in guns a blazing, this was kind of cool. And then the addition of if you really wanted to get some gore and you were right on top of the guy, you had a nice little chainsaw at the end of your gun that you could just rip the fucking guy right in half. And get some blood splatter onto the screen, and that was really neat and just something, something you didn't really see too much at the time. So it was, it was an awesome game. I, uh, I'm the never ma- hanging out at your place, man. Like I'm <laughs> a little unnerved. You got a little too excited about chopping people up with a chainsaw. No, you don't Dan want to come back it- to my basement. No, I've slept in the basement plenty of times. But Dan makes a great point. The 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 melee kills on that game were tremendous because you had the you had the chainsaw and the horde mode, which introduced an entirely new kind of mode to gaming at that point in time. That you know, just how long can you survive? That sort of thing. So that was Gears of War did that really, really well. Very cool, very cool. I uh suck at those kind of games, and so you will find very few of them on my list. Rest assured, there will be little repeating on my part. I suck at it too, but I, I still like playing them, but I suck at them. Yeah, I can do the third person Most shooters. First person shooters, I'm not as great on, but third person shooters. Third person shooters, them. I'm better at, love but them. yeah, not. I'm still, I'm a liability. Like, you never want to yeah. play with me on your team. Yeah. Like, just don't. You will lose. <laughs> uh, number 48 for my list, uh, similar name, but it's God of War. And it's, mm, and it's that's the, coming up later on this episode for me, I'll, Dan. Okay, on this episode, well, I'll, let me specify on this though, episode. It's not the latest version of God of War, but the old original trilogy of God of War. It's the same for me. Okay, well then I'll, I'll hold off. Jeez, all these worries about how this was going to be different than normal, and it's like just another episode <laughs> of the list. <laughs> Further on the same list. 
Tony. Great, great minds. Great minds. Um, 48 for me is going to be Tetris. Nice. The number of different places you could play it. I, I think especially like I remember like being on road trips and driving and like on Game Boy and it would just pass the time in the car. Right. Like that's where you would play it. That's when you would play it. Like I worked for a King of Queens kind of delivery company, one of the castaway delivery companies for almost a decade. And when I would pack boxes in, you got what I was talking about there. I would say this is just second nature. I played Tetris as a child, so I know how to pack things. You know, that's just kind of the way it went. Tetris is world-renowned. It's it's one of the top 10 console games of all time, especially monetarily. So anybody else got any thoughts on Tetris? Because while it may not be on anybody else's list, we've all played it. It's kind of like a minesweeper kind of thing, uh, solitary, if you will. It's a pain in the ass of a game. That's all I got to say about oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> not enough long sticks I like it, it but it's just a pain <laughs> in the ass that's all I found that game to be I, I, I find that game to be a great game to kind of just sit back and be mindless and chill and just kind of keep your brain working a little bit Tony you mentioned the Game Boy like it came with the Game Boy um, when the Game Boy was first released I remember that and I remember that was a game that like I loved playing my mom would play on the Nintendo All everybody played that damn game like it was just so it was so bubble easy. crush before bubble crush right it was very easy for anybody to pick up and run with and play and you didn't have to be good at it to enjoy it what was your go-to uh tetris song because you could pick from four i i'll i'll reference office space and be like <laughs> michael bolden how can you choose nice <laughs> all right Dave, to you, number 48, sir. My number 48 is my favorite game in a series of some of the most popular PC games ever made, and it's The Sims 3. Uh, The Sims were an enormously popular PC series, and, and, you know, like Dan is talking earlier about living in a fantasy world and, and, you know, living a different life. Well, The Sims were all about (laughs) creating these little individual people and putting them in your own little world and, and kind of like before it got popular, like in Grand Theft Auto with the sandbox sort of thing, the Sims were kind of doing that. And the Sims 3, I thought, did it the best out of all of them, where they had a lot of tasks that you could do. You had more freedom. You had more creativity that you could do. I mean, and you could still do stuff like take your Sim, lock him in the bathroom, don't feed him for a few days and watch them go insane. That sort of stuff, which is morbidly fun, but still kind of sick. But I, I thought the Sims were really clever. Uh, you know, early, not that AI really exists, but to the level that AI exists, uh, you know, you got some of that in this. And I mean, it, it was always fun watching how, okay, how are these Sims going to react to certain situations, certain stimuli? And I thought the Sims 3 did it better than any of them. Fantastic game for the PC, number 48 on my list. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the Sims is number 48 on your list because. Before there was The Sims, there was SimCity, and that's number 48 on my list. SimCity in all of its iterations. Uh, it was a PC game first, but I also remember it being released for the Super Nintendo, and I played both. The thing that was unique about the Super Nintendo version is that you could have giant monsters attack your cities uh, when you built them, and in the Super Nintendo version, it was King Koopa. It was an oversized King Koopa <laughs> instead yeah. of a Godzilla sort of thing that would attack your city. But I loved 
yeah, again, it's kind of like Tetris was for me, where it's like it was just this thing that you can do that you you kept trying to build and maintain and kind of create your own little sort of environment and world, but it was done in such a way that could could be kind of relaxing and mindless a little bit. You're building your city, you're building this infrastructure, you're trying to make sure that you have, you know, housing power, you're ready to respond to disasters and all these different things. And over time, that game is just, that game was the foundation for so many other games like it that would happen later on. And, you know, I would argue as a mini game and so many other games too, to where it may not be the focus, but any game where you're building your own sort of society out of whatever you're doing, like Sim City has something to do with, with that, that coming there. And yeah, I had it on both the PC and the super Nintendo at the time. And I used to play them both pretty frequently. Mine. Uh, I actually game. have that game on my list later on. Um, so I'd talk about it a little further then, but, or, but like another episode, or another this, episode, this list, another okay. episode. Another episode, but yeah, that was one of my favorites. SimCity 2000 really was the one that stuck out the most for me, and I just yeah, a I lot remember, of people love that one. I remember build <laughs> trying to build basically a replica of where I lived, and you know the whole street structure and everything, and I just loved build being able to build stadiums and everything like that it was just was just awesome. Did you get my house too in there or no? I don't think so. I didn't know you at the time, but you know maybe it was there, and I just didn't know it. Dave, are you looking for a new best friend? Oh, I always, <laughs> always, Tony, you know, always looking for a new oh, best why friend. Why would you want a cheesehead for a best friend? <laughs> oh, my God. You're outnumbered here, guys. You're outnumbered. That's uh, true. <laughs> we invited you. We invited you. Uh, uh, my fault. number, let's see, where that was my number 40. <laughs> my number 47 is a Nintendo game. Uh, for the it was an SNK Nintendo game called Baseball Stars. Baseball Stars was a cartoony, cartoonish uh, baseball game that at the time, like, and it's not the best Nintendo baseball game, but it was one that at the time it just played so damn smooth. That's what I really remember about it. It was just the gameplay and hitting and pitching and fielding was just it all was very, very smooth, not very choppy. You ran into that sometimes uh, in some of the older versions, and there's a couple of um, baseball games I intentionally left off just because they were so damn difficult with their play control, and baseball stars did not have this problem. Uh, and so that was my that was my number 47. I want to add on to that, and I'm just going to kind of add on right now instead of opening next show with it because it's my number 40, which would oh, open okay. next show for me. Um I second everything you said, and I love like the different rosters, right? right? Like this is a game. This is a game I would go over and play um, with my cousin, and you know we would take the the ultimate roster, with, which had all the best players on it, out of it, and pick somebody else and play against each other. And right. we play like we play like no balls either, right? Like when you pitch, like you had to throw a strike and see who was the better player offensively. So yeah, I thoroughly love Baseball Stars. The way they did the rosters, the way they did the game, just seconding everything you said. I used to love just playing as the all women team and beating everybody because, <laughs> like, just I, when you're when my a bunch of junior high boys, a lot. <laughs> the junior high boys, man, they get all like you know testosterone testosterone fueled and get all pissy when they lose to the all women team. Love that game. So that was my number forty-seven, Dave. Where do you? Man, my favorite baseball game on the NES, just as a side note, was Bases Loaded. 
I don't know if you guys ever played that. Uh, it, see, but bases loaded, bases loaded's play control was some of the worst. Really? Like it's swing, it's swing mechanics. When you would go from a hit, like when you would hit the ball, the lag from when you would get the contact to the actual like fielding screen was really slow. Like, I don't know. Bases loaded four was pretty good. I just right. remember bases loaded because they had a team in Washington, and we didn't have the Nationals back oh, then. Oh, so, so that's what it was. So it was like, it was very attractive. Now we know the real reason you chimed in here. You the missed the whole the, pennant thing and right, all like the, the, whatever coronavirus, blah blah blah. I liked I liked its approach to pitching and hitting because the point of view was very different and unique. It was from over the shoulder of the pitcher, um, as opposed to the batter, which I thought was really cool and very different. But when it came to it, really was about the mechanics in game when the ball was in play. And like I said, that's the thing I love about baseball. It's just smooth. Like you transitioned very well out of for an eight bit cartridge game. It's really good stuff. Awesome. Um, my number 47 probably defer this conversation because I know this is going to come up higher on at least Patrick's list and probably somebody else's. But my number 47 is Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Genesis. So let's just skip it for later on and talk about it later on down the line. Fair enough. Tony. You're 47. Duck Hunt. It's the first game I oh. got to play wherever yep. I was. Is it you got it higher up on this episode? On, on this episode, yep. There you go. All right. DP. Number 47 for me was my introduction into the world of PlayStation, and it was Twisted Metal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The clown car. The sweet tooth. Getting introduction. Yep. Getting, getting sweet tooth as the final Before? boss. Before you before you go into this game, DP, and as we start this epic journey, which I think is unbelievably fantastic, and who cares how long this goes? Because I think people are just going to eat this up. This is everything they've played in their past and their history. You're only listening because you're a video game fan. But DP, I just want to mention real quick that me and you had a lot of PlayStation games because of your brother. I don't know if you want to on that. I, I think the you know uh, what. what you know how to go ahead solder what microchip? Do you want to you want to talk about how we illegally modded our PlayStation? <laughs> 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 I don't think you want to talk about that. I, I guess it's probably statute of limitations, right, Dave? I think we're we're in the clear on that. Uh, you should be okay, I would imagine. My uh, my so my brother. Well, so let's just get it let's point. just say. We're using other people's stories and applying them to ourselves. So yeah. go ahead, DP. Let's just say a certain a certain individual, we won't say him by name, worked at a local rental place. We will call it Lackluster. And <laughs> Not far we, off. And we figured out, well, we'll say they, they figured out a way on their computers, which, which is when the first we were able to start burning CDs, you could burn a CD of PlayStation and create your own. And with a certain little chip put in your PlayStation, you could play any game you burned. And so we had and this is- one or two. We did it once or twice just to try it out. <laughs> yeah, just to, just to, yeah. This is a huge part of like video game history, though. Right? I mean, like this was like the ultimate thing that happened back in the late 90s i believe it was so you know just to drop that in there as far as video game history goes as as we move on 
like that was something that happened. There were hundreds of thousands of people that had video game consoles like that and were able to access multiple, multiple games on a console. Oh, I totally did. Way to incriminate yourself, guys. Good job. Excellent. <laughs> I thought you were going to stay out of it. I was going to move on. I thought you were just Let like... Just, I'm just going to mark that, that time down one hour, 27 <laughs> minutes cut, okay? <laughs> yeah, whatever. And we're back. I, I, I fear nothing. Yeah. So, Twisted Metal for me was just... It was mostly like, like the next level of... Almost like next level Mario Kart where you could do the battles. And this was all about the battles. There wasn't any other thing about this. And you played, I, I loved being the cop car, and you basically had these different arenas that they built. The The city one was the coolest one for me, and you would be, you would just go against a handful of different other cars, and you'd pick up your weapons, and you're chasing around the other cars trying to blow them up first. And that was the goal of the game, and that was just at that time was so different than what anything else they've that's been really been released and I remember trying to get through, you had to get through a couple waves and then you finally get to Sweet Tooth. And that was your, that was the final boss of the whole thing. And trying to take that, you know, ice cream cart down or ice cream truck down was, was really difficult at the time. And it was just so fun to play that type of game. The great, I mean, the greatest car combat game ever. I mean, they tried and they tried to reboot it and they tried to do sequels and, and they never quite met. I mean, maybe Twisted Metal Black on Black. the PlayStation 2. Yeah. That was excellent. Two, two but, was okay, but then, yeah, they tried to add some new characters, some new, and it just doesn't the same. Sweet Tooth. Very nice. Pennywise, Sweet Tooth, you know, hey. <laughs> yeah, that awful clown face on the front of the car. I, I know, man. Oh, uh, 46, number 46 for me. Yep. And I'm, is, this is the original, this is Warcraft 2. I'm talking before, not the online massive multiplayer, I'm talking... The top-down view Warcraft, where it's all started, where you would have to basically build a city, or whatever you want to call it, build a, a home base. You had your little peasants that were cutting down trees and mining gold, and you had to upgrade all your armor, upgrade, you know, build your army. You had to build a barracks, you built, the, built your army, and you would send out, you know, guys, you had this blank you know, level this field that you had no idea what it looked like, but you had to send out your scouts and they walked around the different areas. And as you walked around, the level would open up and you'd start to see where things were. And your, the goal was to defeat your enemy. And you had to figure out where they were in the map before you could really go attack them and plan out a strategy. I, I remember just playing hours and hours of these games. The campaigns were hundreds of levels long they were so fun to play. It was it was just fun to the strategy of, you know, how soon do you go try and attack guys? And, and randomly, the enemies would come attack you, so you had to be ready for that, too. And you had to have enough, you know, defenses set up in place to, to take them down. And as you got up in levels, you obviously they had more weapons and more things available to you. And the scouting got a little bit better where you could kind of fly over with the balloons and stuff and, and see the level a little quicker. Uh, it was just so much fun to play those games. Very cool. I have a variation of that style of game later on in a future episode. I'm sure others will as well. Tony. Just, oh, no. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, it's Tony's. Oh. 
46 for me. I, I think this may possibly be higher up on DP's um, list. If it is, I'll hold off on it because I would love to discuss it with him. If not, I, I'm sure he would have had it on his honorable mention. It's Coach K's college basketball for psychogenesis. You, you go you go with this one. It, it didn't make my list, but yes. <laughs> It's one of my favorite basketball games of all time. It was for the Sega Genesis, and with the three buttons, it was excellent. Um, and, and my favorite part about it for me, it was at the time in Wisconsin Badger history, Patrick, that yeah. Michael 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 Finley and Richard Griffith were on the team at the same time. While they mm. did not have the names, they had the numbers, so you could go on there and you knew you were playing with those guys. So that was right. really cool at an age for me. And I know you can relate to that. Like oh, not yeah. liking playing against that team. You knew that they were good. Just like I know many Illini players were really good along the way, you know, oh, so yeah, guys, certain names. Any, any 2005 NCAA basketball game is owned by every Illini fan everywhere. Darren Williams, et cetera. T Brown. Right? I mean, yeah. Come on. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like I respect that just kind of like how you respect the same thing. So that really hit home. At the same time, DP can probably attest real quick that it was a really well laid out basketball game to play on the Sega Genesis system. And I see Dave shaking his head as well. Yeah, I mean, I I don't remember a lot of the NCAA basketball games because you know I just they weren't. I mean, I was probably playing like the NBA based stuff because I've always been more of a pro guy than a college guy. But yeah, I I remember Coach K's game on the Genesis was really was good, excellent. And I the, of the NCAA games that that one and NCAA basketball for the SNES were the two that I remembered. I like Coach K's so much because that was around the time of like 1995 or 94 ish, where they started to change the way they, you know, made the NBA or basketball games into that isometric view where it was a little more angled and you could see the you know the court a little differently. And I loved like NBA Live '95, and that era was just yeah. awesome. And Coach K's went right into the same thing, where and you could play as, as college players, which was a lot different. And you could play in zone defenses and everything like that, which was made it just so much fun. And that that era at that time, I, I, I at that point, I don't. There's not another college basketball game I loved any more than that one. I'll move us along and get to Dave right after I say this, but DP and I brought a PlayStation with us on a high school basketball road trip, and everybody was in our room till four in the morning, and but we won that night. So Dave, <laughs> you're 46. Well, my 46, I think, again, I'm going to defer because I know this is coming up later on, and I think we might have heard a little bit of it earlier on this episode, perhaps, uh, and it's Mike Tyson's punch out for the NES. That I know is coming up later on. Might as well just save the con- table the conversation till then. It's yeah. I'll just I'll say it right now. I'll spoiler alert anybody who's who is listening, and I appreciate that. Is it's in my top ten. Awesome. Well, we'll t- be talking about it then, as right. I would imagine. Patrick, yeah. you're forty six. My forty six is basically any iteration of the EA NHL series uh, of hockey oh, games. Yeah. Now, even for currently, me, even currently. So, but for me specifically, I spent basically my sophomore year of college playing NHL 98. That was, that was my, that was my game of choice. And everybody who's listened to the show knows that I'm a St. Louis blues fan. 
big time St. Louis Blues fan. This was back before you could do balanced trades. So I loved my St. Louis Blues, but I wanted like most of the roster from the Colorado Avalanche. And so I would trade away like Joe all Sackick the talent. Joe Sackick is a no, 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 no. Joe Sackick wasn't my guy though. Peter Forsberg was my guy. Yes. Fucking love Peter Forsberg. That guy was a beast. Him, Patrick Waugh. Um, oh god, and I, I mean, and I traded all all around. Like you, like I traded and made like a super roster to play. Like my third line had Paul Korea on it. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. Um, but it was so much fun. That was Chris Pronger and Al McInnes were the two defensemen at the time uh, for the Blues. And Grant Fuhrer was the goalie. And I mean, the Blues had a decent roster in 98. Um, but boy, howdy, when you added that 90, uh, good choke of the 98 Colorado Avalanche, Adam Foote, uh, loved Adam Foote. Like he just beat the hell out of people. It was great. Um, but yeah, I would totally like, cheating that was before you could like before the game would stop you unless you overrid it uh and so yeah i, I would i would play nhl 98 for for hours and nhl 99 was so huge for me even though 98 was a superior game because the capitals were on the startup screen because they got into the stanley cup final the year Aye. before and and i never did like i didn't do all the wild trades but all of those nhl games and even now they all had like one little move that the computer couldn't stop the one timer, the one timer in one timer or just like, like on the one where you would come like, if you're coming down and if you like moved to like the right at just the right moment and shot the puck immediately, the goalie would never stop it. We called it the cheater move. It was unstoppable. And you got to the point where you kind of like had to police yourself not to do it all the time. Because right. you wanted the games to, you wanted to create the illusion like you were in danger of losing that sort of I, thing. I also loved that when the when the opponent pulled the net or pulled the goalie from the net, you couldn't miss the goal, like <laughs> no matter what. Like you'd be you'd be at the other blue line and you just shoot it and it would just the, right into the net. The challenge was trying to get your goalie to score. <laughs> right, try and get right, your goalie totally. to score. I have an NHL specifically an NHL game farther down the list, but my for mine it was NHL '94. And I know, yep. you know, not just for that, but, you know, Tony's we'll, cutting you we'll off. He's like, no, that. we'll talk about that later. Doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go. We'll go into my 45 then. Um, right. 45 or 44, 45, 45, 45. My 45, um, I'm sure is probably on later lists uh, as well. So if you guys want to table me, that's fine. But Mario Kart. Yeah, uh, it's later. The Super the reason- Nintendo version, right? Right. And the reason it's so low on mine is because I never really played it much. Like I didn't own it. I played it with other people occasionally. So feel free to uh, move on. We'll go over to Dave. You're 45. My number 45 is Left 4 Dead 2. Left 4 Dead 2 on the Xbox 360, which I don't know if that's higher on anybody else's list or not. But uh, this this took the whole zombie survival game hack and slash and added the cooperative element that uh, Left 4 Dead 1 did so well left for dead Two, left for dead Two did it even better and i just love the whole thing where you're going around surviving trying to go through these waves of zombies and all these wild locations and each level gets a little bit harder than the one before and it's uh and the story was very good the locales were done really well uh, just something about this game just the cooperative level of going in there with your friends uh back when you could actually do it this is when you could first start to link up with people online through like xbox live and stuff like that, or maybe a little bit later on when it got more smooth. But um, yeah, Left 4 Dead 2 the, it was, to me, the ultimate survival zombie survival game where you just weren't, 
And it wasn't so much like what was really good about it is like some of the other zombie survival games were more about like conserving your ammo and trying not to, you know, put yourself in a shitty position because you wasted all your stuff. And Left 4 Dead dude just gave you all this stuff to just annihilate people with this thing. So, yeah, exactly. Like Tony with the machine gun and just taking taking down waves of these things. So, uh, yeah, Left 4 Dead 2, number 45 for me. Uh, I think, Dave, you and I had the same number 45. And that was Wii Sports. For me, specifically, it was Wii Golf. Uh, I remember DP and I roomed together at the time at the same place. And before we went out to the bars, it was, you know, probably five to eight of us playing three or four hours of Wii Golf and getting effed up. And then we, yeah, or or Wii Bowling. Tennis? Um, Or tennis? Yeah. So, I mean... Go ahead. I mean, fire away with with Wii Sports. It was well, it was excellent. It was some it was some different. You got it higher up. Well, so, well, I got it. I got it higher on my list. It's not on this this episode, but yeah. Well, I guess since Tony and I both have it on here, we should probably talk about it. And and we could we could talk about it. I mean, obviously, Dana, if it's higher on your list, it means something different to you. But let's you know. And I you know I know Patrick stepped out for a moment, but between us talking. Um, you know, the smart ones of the group. He'll hear that later. <laughs> oh, wow. So well, no. here, let's just do, just, let's do this. Let's, let's just bury let's, him. Let's, let's bury him while he's not here. You know, <laughs> we've been, we've been saving some other things for later and trying to figure out what we're going to do. Uh, DP, how high up is it on your list? It's number 37 on my list. All right. So for, for, for this, for this, for this one, let's pull that back into this episode since we need where we're going to fill this time right here. And, and Dave, why don't you tell us your thoughts and 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 then let DP rebut on that? And I'm totally kidding about Patrick. He's an extremely intelligent guy. I just got to give him some shit, you know, since he likes to give it to me all the. Uh, the thing about Wii Sports, how he can hear me ah, okay. the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> um, like we were talking earlier about how the, the Nintendo versus, uh, or excuse me, Sony versus Xbox versus Nintendo War. Nintendo was dead in the water. I mean, the GameCube had been massively outsold by the PS2 and the Xbox One, not the Xbox One, the original Xbox, let's call it that. Uh, They were done. I mean, GameCube was flat. And then they come out with this Wii and introduce motion control to the masses. And instead of being like ultra realistic, like uh, Sony and Microsoft were, they took the exact opposite approach and they appealed to the real casual people. And then suddenly everybody was getting off their couch playing golf, playing ba- baseball was great. Uh, you know, the baseball game was fantastic. Tennis was great. Home, golf. Run, home run derby. Yeah, home run derby and that sort of thing. And it, it took a while for people to realize that you really didn't have to get off your couch. You just had to flick your wrist. It took about a year for people to figure that out. But it took, it this took game just about re- two days. <laughs> when he would bowl from his but, uh, recliner in, his other, in the other room. <laughs> yeah, Wii Sports just revolutionized the whole industry, and, and it brought Nintendo back from the brink, and they went from dead last to doubling what Sony, what what uh, PlayStation was, what micro, what Xbox was doing. Uh, never seen anything like that. They obviously didn't have the same success with the Wii U because there really wasn't that much different about it. Oh, I got a handheld thing, but they took that technology, transferred it to the Switch, which has been enormously successful. Nintendo's probably the best out of the three at reinventing themselves, and Wii Sports was like the beginning of all that. And it was the it was kind of the beginning of the whole motion control thing. Like that was not out there at all, really, in especially on the consoles until you know PlayStation started doing it after that. But 
It was so Not unless you consider the power glove motion control. Oh, God. Well, it has to work, you know, first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about the motion pad? Remember the motion pad for the Nintendo, the like, track pad? and field? You'd jump oh, on yeah, it. Oh, yeah, where you wouldn't yeah, run yeah, on it. you just use your Hey, jump. 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 That is true. By the way, nice try burying. These things are Bluetooth. So, heard it all, bastards. <laughs> it was Dave. What do you think? It was all me. Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of enablers. It bunch was of enablers. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Go just ahead. good podcast. All right, who's up? Whose turn is it? <laughs> that was what Tunny's forty-five, right? Was... So yes, Dan's forty-five. Dan's forty-five. Yep, forty-five for me was Ghost Recon Wildlands. Oh wow! Kind of one that's out there. Very specific. Yeah, that well, is ordinarily specific. Yeah, well, there was. I mean, the Tom Clancy Ghost Recon series has been going on for quite a while, but this one for me was just—I don't know—it just took it to a next level. I thought it was just outstanding. I know a lot of people really necessarily didn't like it because it got very repetitive towards the end. Once you started to build up your your guy a little bit, it was ultimately. You know, you'd get to an, an area and you would send out your drone and you kind of mapped the area around you and tried to, you know, you could target all the different guys, all the enemies that were out there and, and mark them. And then you would, you had a group of, you could play with four, you know, three other players or they could be basically AI controlled, but you could kind of mark a group of guys and you could tell them all, okay, we're going to shoot these guys at this specific time. And you could tell them all to go, okay, you go out there and take them all down. And you could take out groups of guys at a time. And it was basically just a, you know, trying to get the land back and take it away from the enemies and get it back for the for the town. And it, was, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was just, it was a sniper type of game. It was a lot of stealth, which is one of my favorite type of things to play. And it introduced the ability to have these, like, drones and have different things and you could, you know, fly around the area and, and and map out the groups, map out the guys, and watch their patterns, and figure out who you want to take out first, and look at the snipers that are up there, and okay, I got to take this guy out without, and you had to do it without alarming anybody else, because otherwise they'd set off the alarms, and you know, you could do it that way. You could go running in guns a blazing and just try and take them all out, and some of them had like alarm systems that you could, you know, disable, and there was just so many different things to it. I thought that it just it made it a lot of fun for me. I, I had to put it on this list because I've, I played it once and it played, started playing it through it again already just cause it's, it's one of my favorites. It's my type of favorite genre of games to play with the sniping and the stealth type of things. So I had to put it on my list. Number I think 44. you're bringing it back. Number 44. Yep. Right yes, away. you are. It was a little game for the Wii called MLB power pros. I don't know if anybody played this game at all, but it's got to be my favorite, probably, baseball game of the newest generation to play. It was because I'm not a big baseball guy. I'm not great at baseball. I like playing the video games. But this one was more than just, you know, the Ken Griffey Juniors or Baseball Stars types of games. This one had where you could throw different pitches. You had to aim... You know, it's close to like the MLB, the show games now, you know, that type of type of style, but more, but just arcadic, you know, more arcadey, you know, the guys were, it was still, you had your 
the actual names of players. It was still the MLB players, but it was, you know, just an arcadey style of game. It was a little more than our, than just the regular simulation, but it was kind of a hybrid. So you'd still, you know, you have to bat. You still have, you could throw all these different pitches, you'd bat field, all the same type of stuff. It was just so smooth. And if, if nobody's ever played it, it's hard to find nowadays. But if you go on the computer or the Switch has one as well, there's a game called Super Mega Baseball. It's the same exact game, just without the MLB roster. But it's completely, like, changeable. Everything's editable. You can edit every player, their name, how they look, their stats, everything. And you can set up, you know, the team names and logos, colors, and you can basically recreate everything to make it MLB as close as you want to get. But being able to play an arcade-style video game that plays like the current versions to where anybody can play it and you don't have to be an actual really good baseball player to know how to play those games. This one was outstanding. Awesome. Tony. I'm really excited about my number 44, but I think I'm so excited that I might have to wait for my excitement in this very episode. Maybe Is anybody else excited. Gee, I'm a little excited. Okay, I think we'll wait then. So uh, why don't we hit Dave's number 44? My number 44, Dan talked about it earlier. We tabled it for a few moments, but it's uh, the original God of War for the PlayStation 2. It's, uh, I don't, I mean, whew, one of the all-time great hack and slash, just mythologically based, you know, introducing iconic character games of the PlayStation 2 with uh who is it kratos Kratos. is that that's his name right and he comes in and then i mean it just has led spawned a bunch of sequels which arguably some of them you could say are better but uh, just from this standpoint of what this did on the ps2 at a time when they really needed they needed it like we talked exclusivity earlier this is one of the rare exclusive titles for the sony that they desperately needed at that time because microsoft had quite a few out there that were really uh you know doing damage to Sony's market share at that point. And then they come up with God of War, and it's just, I mean, yeah, it's brutal. It's bloody. It's got some really gruesome stuff going on. They got great characters, and they really attach a lot of Greek mythology and wedge it into this game. And, uh, man, I, I'll kick it over to Dan because he had it earlier to see what his thoughts are on it. But, yeah, it's uh, it's number 44 on my list. Yeah, and that mine, it was 48 for me, and it, it's the same, you know, same reason. It was It was... It was generically just a, almost just a hack and slash, but it introduced this great new character. I, I put it as I put number one as opposed to saying one or two or three because in general they were all pretty much the same hack and slash type. They, it didn't really introduce much more to it, but it added you know there's there was some little bit of platforming in there, and it introduced I think I don't know if it was the first one to do it or not, but um, a where they added like a button sequence to killing certain guys yeah. too. And I, I don't think oh, the that quick, was, the quick actions. Yeah. The quick actions. When you fought some of the bigger characters, it made it just yeah. that little more special. Like you really had to do something different to take them down other than just beating them down. You actually had this button sequence that they went through to finally finish them off. And like you said, the, the whole mythology and the characters and with Zeus and all, all the gods that, that he went through and everything. And, they had they introduced the Titans in there, and and I remember the one where you had to climb Gaia basically, and it just it gave you that sense of like, like how huge 
this whole mythology was and how huge these Titans were and everything like that. And it was not only just fun to do a general hack and slash type of game, but the story was really interesting and fun to play through. Yeah, that would influence some PlayStation 2 games I'm sure we're going to be talking about later on. Yeah, I think um, Epic in Scope is a good way to describe the way some of that was played, just with sort of the over-the-top action um, that that took place in there. Ultra-violence, good stuff, good stuff. Um, so earlier when we were talking about Oregon Trail, Tony mentioned that he oftentimes uh, played Oregon Trail over his lunch uh, at school. In high school, I used to play this game over my lunch uh, in the industrial arts slash, for whatever reason, computer lab that existed. Um, and that was Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein 3D. Oh, raising his hand because it must be later on a different episode. You're muted, Tony. Yeah, you're, yeah you, your mouth is moving, but we can't make out the words. There you go. That was a true story. Not today, but another day. If It's up to you. Next week, actually, we could finish the show with Wolfenstein 3D. <laughs> we could. I won't say too much about it other than to share that over our lunch hour, for some reason, our industrial arts teacher was allowed to own this um, computer game because we played it on the PC. It was allowed to let us play this game over lunch hour. Over in middle of Mer- middle of nowhere, Central Illinois conservative land USA. Um, and so it was always a fight to who see who could get one of the few computers to play that game. So that was my number 44, my number 43, another classic that was played in classrooms as well as at home. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, you, you know what? That, that game spawned multiple sequels spawned, where in time is Carmen San Diego? Where is, you know, where in your house is Carmen San Diego? Who knows? Mario uh, spawned, is missing. Mario is <laughs> Trivia missing. game show for kids. Right. Spawned TV shows. Yep. Spawned uh, so much. And, and it was one of those games. It was, you were timed. You couldn't make, you could make like a mistake, but you couldn't make too many mistakes. If you lost the trail of Carmen San Diego or, or whoever the criminal was you were tracking, you would fail and you would have to like start all over. And it was really, it was really annoying, but um, just a lot, of, you know, it was a fun and it was a fun way to teach kids geography, history, whatever it is that they were looking to do. Um, and I, I think I owned wear and time um, on my PC. That was the one I remember playing the most, but everybody remembers the the game show that kids played where they ran around on the map and rock Capella If they were a child of the nineties. Yeah. I just want to hear Tony saying. (laughs) Another karaoke moment here on Bandwagon Nerds. What's the word on the street? Oh, God. I remember that. Yeah. I'm not playing with you. All right. I'll just just close it like this. If fifth grade was uh, Oregon Trail, sixth and seventh grade was where in time is Carmen San Diego? I just remember the chief had a uh, magnifying glass and she kept like holding it up to her eye and like pulling away. I was like, what are you doing? That makes no sense. All right. So that puts us back to you, Tony. No, you it puts Dave? us to Dave. I, do, I don't like Dave, but yeah, I back know. to Dave. He just wants to skip me. <laughs> uh, so my number 43, I'll just briefly mention it because I know Patrick's got more of like the entire series that we'll talk about. And, and, and this is one of the few ones where I too have more than one entry. I didn't do to that that too many times in this in the whole list, 
But uh, number 43 for me is Metal Gear Solid 4 on the mm. PlayStation 3. Which the only thing, because we are going to talk about it in further detail, and and you know, you know, I've got it later on on my list of different Metal Gear. But uh, this one was great because this was like part movie, part game. There wasn't there like an hour long cutscene on this damn thing or something like. I mean, there something. Were, there were there were multiple lengthy cutscenes in that in that game. But I, I mean, the story was great. With a uh, solid snake has got this. He's aging prematurely. No one really knows why. He's like got a year to live or some shit like that. And the story that they they just interchange the cutscenes with the story, and it's got all the Metal Gear aspects of it that you'd love. And uh, and it, it was just cinematic in scope. One of the, like the few games that I remember seeing, like fucking GameSpot gave it a ten, which was rare. At the time, for anything to get a perfect score, I remember this one getting one, and uh, I can't really disagree with them. It's pretty flawless as far as games go. Um, but yeah, it's 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 like, well, you know, maybe I should have had it higher. But it's number forty three for mine. I know we'll talk Metal Gear more in future episodes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Dave Ungar being quote brief. It was brief <laughs> for you. It was <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Uh, well, I love why, this uh, amidst, scotch. amidst the feud yeah, <laughs> amidst the main feud of this show I will reveal my 43 which is Pitfall I can remember going over to my cousin's house and this is a game we love to pass the controller back and forth and, and play on just swing it from the vines did you, did you have to swing from the bottom were you up on the top when you crossed over what was coming up after you etc etc it was just memories early on of video games that you enjoyed playing. And this was definitely one of them, Dave. Yeah, I had it, uh, my number 50, but this game was like the first one, like, cause this is the, it's an Activision game, but it's on the Atari 2600. And it's, uh, at the time when the Atari 2600 was just really basic. Yeah. I mean, no one had seen anything like it before, but it was pretty basic. Then pitfall came along and introduced stuff that suit, you know, you would see in Mario games, shortcuts, uh, different paths to take side scrolling was introduced really with pitfall. And a lot of people consider it overrated and maybe by today's standards. Okay, fine. But at the time, man, this game was super revolutionary and nothing it's just like it. No, nothing. And, and you got 20 minutes. That's all they give you. You got 20 minutes to get as the much. Clock, the clock is coming down. You better fucking finish the level. <laughs> That's right. You know, and you're like, and, and you would go and you'd be doing really well, or you think you would, and that fucking alligator would take you out. And you're like, son of a bitch. You know, I thought I had that figured out this time. Nope, you didn't. Uh, fantastic game. I, it's the only Atari 2600 game on my list, but it belongs there for a reason. The Invisible Pit. The one that yeah. would like open up out of the ground underneath you. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, you know, we said earlier, games back then were brutally difficult. I mean, you know, you had stuff like Gauntlet, like Patrick talked about the arcade game last week, just unfairly difficult stuff right. going on. Like Tony said, mom, the video game's cheating again. <laughs> right, right. All the time. Why are all you getting the, so mad? Because it's damn. fucking cheating. It's cheating. The goddamn game is cheating. Sorry. <laughs> I think we're to Dan for number 43. Yep. Dan taking us around the corner to finish us up. All right. 43 for me was the pretty much the only RPG game I ever liked. And that was Secret of Mana for the oh, Super yeah. Nintendo. And I was never a big RPG fan, never a big on Final Fantasy or anything. I didn't like the turn based style. I, I was just not a fan of that. Just 
didn't really do we it. We are the me. opposite type of gamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But this one Ironically, Patrick, despite our feud, you and I are gonna be similarly aligned in this quite a bit. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I I just couldn't I couldn't do it. I needed I needed the real time. And this one introduced real time fighting and had an over overworld where you actually had to fight guys and you were continuing to do that in real time and didn't have to stop every time to have a fight. You could keep going, you could run away if you wanted to, but generally you wouldn't because you wanted the experience and build your guy up and this one was great because it, it it not only was it real time, but you could quickly go into a menu that they that they had and it was just this ring that you would press a button and the ring would come up over your guy and you had two other guys with you on your campaign and you could flip between the three different people that you wanted. You could cast your spells, do whatever you wanted, you know, as each one of these three different guys. One of the biggest things I liked about this game is you could have someone else play with you and jump in and out of the game at any time, mm-hmm. which was kind of innovative, and they didn't really do that too much. And It was great because it was another game. My brother and I could play together, and while he was away at work or doing whatever, I could kind of play it, and he'd come home, and he could just pop in whenever he wanted, and we'd keep going with the campaign and the story and everything. And It was it was so cool and fun to play, and I just I loved being able to do that in real-time fighting and made it for an awesome game. I mean, I would assume that this will come up maybe later in one of Dave's lists uh, if we're talking about RPGs, but it was the precursor to Chrono Trigger. Um, same mm-hmm. sort of engine, same sort of game. Yep. Uh, and Chrono Trigger, a lot of times, is the one that most people talk about as kind of the the big one. Secret of Mana just got remade not too long ago, like got re-released. So. It, it did. And I, I got it. For, I got and I was on the Switch as well, and I, I actually picked right. it up so I could replay it again re, just recently. Nice. Yeah. We'll talk Chrono Trigger in a couple of episodes. I'm sure. Way. I, I figured that was, it was coming. So what's your number 42? So, number 42, I'm going to guess, might be tabled for later. It was Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's so, it's up on mine. Yeah, It's up it on mine, too. Farther down the list for me, so I'll, I'll table that one for later. Super Spike V-Ball, anybody? I remember that game. Wait, I, I what didn't is put it? it on my list. Super Spike Volleyball, man. Oh. Yes. Freaking. Super Spike Volleyball was just one of the funnest games to play as a volleyball game. I mean, you're searching for something to play like volleyball. Like, you want to play sports. You want to pick all the sports. You're done with this, that, and the other. Volleyball. It was fun. I think it was by country kind of thing that was going was that on. The, was that the, the two-on-two two one, though? Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, then you had, like, uh, different iterations of it for Super Nintendo, etc., and onward, but... I just remember it being one of the most playable volleyball games ever. It was a little more arcade, but at the same time, you could just have a really good time playing it. DP, I know you you played that game as well. Charge up that spike and then drill it right on whoever. Yep. Exactly. Wasn't there like a beach volleyball game for the NES, like Kings of the Beach or something like that? Well, yes. this was a beach volleyball game. Uh, that yeah, was another the same one. There was okay. Kings of the Beach was a different one, but yeah. This was Tecmo, right? Super Spike Volleyball was it Tecmo? I think oh, that's yes. what that's what uh, Google's for. Hold on, <laughs> Super Spike Volleyball NES. That was actually it's not showing. Who was it? That was basketball. Oh well, it's not it's not that important. But um, all right, so on to my forty-two. Right, we're at forty-twos. Yep. My number forty-two is my 
favorite Street Fighter game of all time, and it's Street Fighter Four. And uh, this was the one that was like there was like a decade gap between Street Th- Fighter Three and Street Fighter Four, and Street Fighter Three was kind of hit and miss. This one kind of brought it all 3D. It's still s- kind of like a side-scrolling sort of viewpoint, but it was fully rendered in 3D, and they had like the focus system. That stuff was going on, and it just. I mean, I love this game. I mean, it was it, they just had so much great stuff going on, and it was kind of like they just like a lot of movies now. It's like, yeah, forget that Street Fighter Three happened. This is a direct sequel to Street Fighter Two, that sort of thing. And um, I, I, I mean, I was never a huge fighting game fan. I liked them, but there's not very many of them on my list. But Street Fighter Four was my favorite one, and it really just kind of took me by storm. I was like, wow, you can really do a lot of cool stuff here. Uh, I was never very good at it, but I love the game. So Street Fighter 4, number 42 for me. So for your reference, um, Super Spike Volleyball was a Tato game. Oh, okay. Uh, close. I know. Yeah, close. Totally the same thing. <laughs> um, so this came up earlier in the show uh, when we mentioned it, uh, that it was higher up on my list. I think it was also on Tony's list. Uh, for me, my number 42 is Duck Hunt. Uh, I... Spent many an hour standing too close to my television screen trying to game the system using the light gun to blast ducks and or clay pigeons. That fucking dog. I hated that dog. Everybody hates that dog. That dog. He tried to shoot the dog over and over and over and over and over again. You're you're upsetting my dogs with this uh, this (laughs) blasphemy of them. It laughs at you when you miss and mocks you. It deserves what it gets. I agree. Screw that dog, that damn thing. For me, it was the first game that actually you did something other than play with a controller. Like right. You had a gun. Like, you played the game with the gun. That was, like, why it was in my top 50. I mean, here's here's something at home. I'm not at an at a arcade or at an establishment or wherever video games are played, bowling alleys. Uh, I'm at home, and I'm using not this squared-off controller not this other controller with a D-pad and three buttons, but I have an actual gun. Right. And I loved you'd see that little white square show up that would show like where you kind of aimed it, like what you were trying to shoot it, at least in the older versions when it would start to break down. Um, but yeah, it was one of the few games that used the light gun effectively. Um, that one, and there was another, it was, God, what was it called? Gumshoe, I want to say. Hogan's it was Alley? Hogan's Alley. Hogan's Alley was one. Yeah. I think Gumshoe was another one, but it was different. Um, they kind of mi- they kind of missed the boat on that. They really should have maximized that technology, and they didn't. Well, they had a couple of things on the original. Remember the robot? Remember the damn robot that like yes. had one game or two yeah. games that went with it? Um, this is a thing that exists. Look it up. Um, Nintendo Entertainment Systems. There was a version that came with a robot that had like one game that you could play with it. Um, my my number forty one and the last one on my list for tonight. Tony was alluding to it with his uh, with his clues about excitement. Uh, at least I'm assuming it was. My number 41 is Excite Bike. Uh, this game was actually my little brother's game more than it was my game. Uh, he was like he one that he loved to play. I my, my favorite part of this game wasn't doing the the little dirt bike races, which is what the whole concept was was dirt bike racing, but it was building your own tracks. It was building your own tracks. And coming up with either the most ridiculously complicated, challenging tracks that you could um, and seeing who could complete them in the fastest or the shortest amount of time. 
But it was just fun. And it's one of the games that I pull out on the retro system that we have now all the time to play with the little doubt. He loves playing it. Um, mastering the art of pulling the, the wheelie so that you don't flip and roll the bike over, but yet still get over the bumps properly or get off a ramp properly was key. And knowing how to appropriately use the turbo button without overheating your bike. Yeah, I've been I've been trying not to overheat while commenting, you know, waiting to comment on the subject. So that's really all I have to add to Excite Pike. You said it all. It's a great game. Overheat just pissed me off. Oh my god! Or trying to mash the button when you when you wrecked to get to your bike faster, uh, and just being like, "Why is he so damn slow?" Like seriously, why is he so slow? What's wrong with this guy? So yeah, that's my number forty-one, Dave. To you, what's your number forty-one, my friend? My forty-one, I suspect, is going to be higher on some on your guys' list because this is where the age gap might play a big role in this but uh because it means something different to me than it probably means to you guys but it's it's goldeneye for the n64 yeah dan's got it way up higher i'm just i'm just i'll bet it's in his top five so i'm just gonna put this out there speaking of games where i'm a real liability i'm so bad at goldeneye i can't even win and help a team if i have odd job and the golden gun <laughs> and and I can relate to that, but I recognize the game for the great fucking hated that game so much because yeah. I was so bad at it. Let's let's wait till we get to Dan's and then we can all kind of exchange war stories about it. So it's let's go take, to Tutty's 41. It's gonna take us yeah, five most episodes def- to get there. <laughs> that's most that's definitely fine. the th- three of us will shit on it and DP will glorify it. So uh 41, <laughs> my last game of the night. I, I was horrible at it. I, I appreciate it, but you know, whatever. It's it's That's like my, music. My sentiments it's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh my forty one is and and it's like an early to mid nineties version of college football's national championship on Sega Genesis. And uh, the most expressive thing I can give to you from that is when it was halftime, they said it's halftime. And I remember having to go spend the night by grandma and grandpa's house and be able to take the Sega Genesis console with me. And with Stanford, I would pass for over 1,000 yards in a game. That's all I would <laughs> do at night. So I would just the same in and out patterns, and you could throw a touchdown every time. I think it was when Heath Schuler was with Tennessee, but I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Yeah, exactly. Like I knew what was going on, man. Uh, but one of the, yeah, one of the, just, one of the, another of the Washington Redskins great draft picks. Congressman, yeah, totally. Congressman Heath Schuler. Was, um, <laughs> was the, uh, go ahead. Was, can we get was, that? Was the halftime music always the Notre Dame fight song? It was. Uh. It was. But you could choose. But you could choose your own schedule. So, like, if you picked a college to play with, you could choose your own schedule, and you could pick when you had home games and away games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I enjoyed the gameplay. I enjoy everything that went with it. That's that ends my, you know. Top uh, 20th percentile of top 50 games of all time. All right. Let's round it out here with DPP. Dan, what is your number 41? The first of what might be a few Nintendo 64 games to make my list. And that's Star Fox 64. Mm, Casualty of my list. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite games to play. The original was kind of garbage, but then when they came out with this one, it was just, it felt so kind of innovative at the time. It was the first game to introduce the Rumble Pack that came with the N64 that you could plug in uh, and made the controller shake when you 
you know, get hit or run into something or whatever. Uh, I think it was packaged with it at the time. Uh, and just the, the flying ability to fly with these guys, uh, it had, you know, it was kind of a pattern game. You had to remember where the guys were going to come from because you had to try and get the level perfect. And there was different finishes to kind of certain levels when you would get to the, you know, the different worlds, there was different planets you could get to. And depending on how you finished in the level, you would go to a different planet. And I remember basically the goal when I played it was always to get to, I can't remember the name of the planet, but it was basically a re uh, enactment of independence day. There was a giant UFO thing that would come down and would fire out this, you know, blaster down the right down the middle. And you had basically waves of guys circling it and you just had to, you know, fly through them and beat up the guys and then take down, uh, just like they did in independence day, basically had to take down the big UFO in the middle. And that was always the fun part of that game was having to do that, but you could only, you had to get the pattern right at the beginning to get the right path. And that was just, the game was so fun to play. And it was one of the first, one of the few multiplayer games too, at the time where you could actually play against other people in that same kind of split screen, like GoldenEye, like we talked about. And you could play against Which, your friends. Now, was Star Fox always an N64 game, or did it come out on any other version prior to that? There was a oh. uh, Super Nintendo had Star Fox. Uh, that uh, was the first one, and it was it was pretty rough. Was was that the one where like that fucking frog died all the time? Like you're yeah. always having to bail the frog out. Yeah, you had your yeah you right. had your three wingmen. Uh, I think I have it written down. Here. Like Slippy or something. Slippy, like yeah. Uh, Peppy was Peppy Hair, Falco, and Slippy Toad. Yep. Slippy Toad. You were always having to try and bail him yeah. out. He was always in trouble. Yeah. Moppy? Was Moppy yeah. involved in that or no? No Moppy. No Moppy? <laughs> okay, my bad. Stupid frog. Stupid mop. He was the worst. He was the worst in that game. I, I do remember I just um I remember the I remember the sixty four version. I think I played the Super Nintendo version a little bit more because I owned one. Um, and so it was an easy rental, but, uh, I just remember the graphics being unique to that too. Like, and, and just the look and feel being a little bit different than what you'd seen before. I think it was a little more polygonal, was, yeah, um, in the, then some of the first, uh, it was one of the first ones to kind of utilize that kind of look in a while, but did it in a way that didn't look ridiculous. So there we, there we go, right. guys. So there we go. That is our first 10 as, as Tony, how did you put it? The 20th percentile or something like that? 20% of, of, our, of our of our top 50 home video games here in the video game project week one. It's gonna, I you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it as it moves. I think we have settled on what Tony tried to sell earlier on the show, pulling the curtain back. That for the most part, yeah, look at him look at acting all sheepish, like he don't know what he did. But uh, it's fine. It'll it'll probably make, it probably makes more sense um, with this as we move forward. Later episodes, you're going to see us kind of ganging up and exalting some video games above all others that are shared on lists, sure. um, just higher up. Uh, but a good hey, start, fellas. Um, I really, I really liked it. What's up? We didn't we didn't do honorable mentions on this episode, but we're never doing around. honorable mentions. No. Okay. Just, just shut up. One. Just, no. Let me do this. You want you could you could put your honorable mentions on the bandwagon no, no, Twitter feed. It's That's not an honorable mention. One game that you didn't have on your list that pained you the most to leave off. 
No explanation, just one game. You are, you are redefining honorable mention. <laughs> no, I'm not. Just saying one game that didn't make your list that pained you the most. No explanation, just name one. Actually, I don't know that I had one that pained me to leave off. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt for me. Tony, Dave, Dan, did you guys follow the rules? Yes. I. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I Frogger, Frogger, Frogger. I, I guess because uh, I didn't think about it at the time when you mentioned Super Spike Volleyball, I thought of Super Dodgeball, and that didn't make my list. Oh, that, that was, was a fun that was, that was a long game, game too. You can uh, dodge a wrench, you can dodge a podcast. <laughs> it, I guess, I guess um, gun to my head, I would probably say the WWE, WWF Royal Rumble game for the Super Nintendo. But I didn't I didn't list it because I didn't own it. I um, one summer babysat a kid and he owned it and we would play it at his house. So that was really about my own experience. And I just remember you could choke people. So next week we're going to talk about that kid. About what? <laughs> oh, about that, that kid. kid. OK, fair enough. Anyway, so that'll do it for our, our first um, first 10 We've got 40 games to go. Looking forward to tearing down the list. Before we head out, fellas, why don't we start with Tony, or not Tony today. Let's start with Dave. Dave, tell everybody where to send the hate, cheat, hate tweets. Where can they follow you? Wait, what's your uh, Twitter handle again, Patrick? My Twitter handle? You, yeah, that's where you know send the hate tweets. Oh, wait, I no. just put in Patrick wait. and hope it comes up. Send your that's hate hilarious. tweets to TheBigRick62. There and- you go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there we go. But you can send your friendly, nice tweets to at Attitude Ag, at Attitude A-G-G, or Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Tony, put us over. Oh, boy. You know, bandwagon nerds, if you're not listening and you're listening or you're not listening and you're listening, make sure you're listening because this is what's going on right now. Bandwagon nerds is blowing up. Everybody wants to be a part of it. You can find it on thechairshot.com, eWrestlingNews.com, Raja.com. I'm PC Tony. Follow me at PC Tony. Follow that guy over there at it's me DPP. I don't know. Check out Attitude of Aggression. Check out Greg DeMarco's show. Check out DWI podcast. Check out the Miranda show. There's a whole bunch of things going out there. Outsider's Edge. Oh, Pod. What do you think? Pod is war. You didn't even mention that. Yeah, whatever. Wow. Those guys are. <laughs> <laughs> guys are overrated. <laughs> Dan, you got anything to add to all that? Can, I mean, at it's me DPP is all my social media interwebs and follow the DWI podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash DWI podcast. And I think that's all I got. Excellent. Well, fellas, I'm back up to 463. Um, basically, took my two steps forward after taking a couple steps back. We'll see when those bots disappear. But you can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me here on Bandwagon Nerds. We drop every Tuesday. You can also catch me on the Chair Shot Radio, not the Greg DeMarco Show, the Chair Shot Radio, uh, on Wednesdays. Every uh, every day we drop those podcasts, usually around noon. It seems to be about when the time that uh, that Greg drops and, and gets them rolling for us. So thank you, uh, fans, for listening. I uh, hope that you enjoyed going over our top 10, uh, or not top 10, the first of our top 50, the first 10 of our top 50 video games of all time. Um, it was a lot of fun, fellas. I don't know. Did you guys have a good time? Did you enjoy this? Oh, yeah. This, Like I said Bye. yesterday... 
pulling back the curtain, I said, this will probably be some of our best work. And I think I hope it's our best work. I think that this lived up to uh, that prediction. Spoiler. It's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. Sorry, it's a spoiler. I was I was like disappointed in today that I couldn't like reveal more of myself. Like I could only do the first whoa, 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 20% of the show. I enjoyed the fact that I, I kind of knew I was going to have some different games on my list. And I think that's going to maybe continue a little bit going forward and being able to see the differences that you guys have that you enjoyed is just a lot of fun for me. And, and brings back just those extra memories that maybe those are games I didn't think of, but still loved playing. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's where I am too. Is there's a lot of it. Like, even though we give Dave a hard time, like we're, we're still sharing, you know, crossover eras and, and things that, that we no, and I'm, I'm being serious this time. as just before laughing. Like, I know I give him a hard time about being old, but, um, you know, I think this was all just something that is just all something we did. Honey, just you're just awesome. He was there when they motion captured Pong. Doesn't mean that he I mean, yeah, he was, he, he, <laughs> he was hanging out, you know, that's just the way it is. But uh, I do. Your phone? <laughs> I mean, somebody had when to move talk, that dot. <laughs> you're right. When we talk about when we talk about like sort of the nostalgia of it all, like that's a lot of what this is. Is a lot of looking back on our childhoods, things that we really spent a lot of time and and that's been a lot of fun. And so I know I've had a good time listening to it. I listened to you guys share what you enjoyed. Uh, I hope you all out there listening to us have enjoyed it too, and that you come back next week because next week we're going to cover. Episode seven, when everything gets really exciting for lock and key, it's shit, when shit, shit gets, gets real. real. Yeah. And we're going to cover numbers 40 through 31 of our top 50 video games of all time on Bandwagon Nerds. So until then, climb on out of the basement, hook up the old video game machine, play some baseball stars, and we'll catch you next week. This has been Bandwagon Nerds. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.